What's up, everything? I'm back from Traverse City, which must mean it's time for the 2019 Prospect Pyramid. We'll dive deep into the St. Louis Blues prospects from Alexandrov to Jarenko. But there's bigger news in the NHL. Josh Morrissey has signed a contract extension. He told Kevin Day off, please, please, please let me get what I want and let me get it soon. And Sheveldayoff responded, how soon is now? It's time for prospects, British pop, and even pink Whitney's, so let's get started and let's go rampage. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, September twelfth. I said all those words correctly, mm-hmm. and this is easily the most anticipated episode of the Two Guys One Cup podcast since, like, at least last week. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the prospect pyramid, and it's here. We're back. We're ready to do it. Ian, how are you feeling tonight? You've just walked on stage. Mm -hmm. We have not spoken before. How are you doing tonight, Ian? The green room was filled with M&Ms, as I requested. What color? Only blue M&Ms. Weird. Fucking weird. (laughs) Super weird. That's how I know that you read my contract stipulation. That's true. Very good job. True. That that is kind of maniacal, and it's genius. Mm -hmm. Good job, Van Halen. Good job. (laughs) Uh, how are you actually doing tonight? I'm well, doing great. Great. Terrific. Yeah. This is, this is the best episode. I mean, it's not it's not the best episode, no, but it's top five. As, it's top five in the season. As we were wont to say, it'll probably be terrible, and we'll get better. <laughs> we're, we're so probably. sorry. We're so sorry. <laughs> but we do very much look forward to these uh, episodes. <laughs> Much like the Egyptians. We're sorry about this pyramid. We're so sorry. Uh, I have just come back from Traverse City in northern Michigan. What was going on up there? Uh, not much. <laughs> if I'm being honest, not much. Uh, no, I uh, obviously the Blues had their annual, well not their annual, but they traveled to the annual... Uh, Traverse City Prospect Tournament that the Red Wings host every year right before their training camp, which is also in Traverse City. Um, And uh, this is the second year in a row I've gone. I went with a friend of the show, great friend of the show, Garrett, Garrett Kogner, who was kind enough to let me, you know, hitch a ride in his much nicer than my car and share a hotel room with him and really just be a sea urchin mm-hmm. on the bottom of his uh, schooner, if you what will. What kind of schooner does he drive? <laughs> a Mach 7. Is that a kind of schooner? Oh, What's his address? <laughs> <laughs> What's his license plate? Where does he work? 
The people want to know. Well, you know, they can find him at Schnucks. He does work at Schnucks, and he <laughs> loves it. Everybody go buy food at Schnucks. I'm not going to tell you which Schnucks. It's very generic. He will demand that we redact this episode. Redact Um... Yeah, so we got to go out there. It was awesome as it was last year. It's really a unique experience because you walk in and, like, literally the first person I saw was Bruce Boudreaux. That was, like, the first person that I was like, bam, that's a person. That I've seen on the screen. (laughs) Was he puking? Uh, Yes, he was vomiting profusely. No, it's just, like, you're in this... um, I'm trying to I'm trying to really explain it. It's just like a regular community ice rink, basically. Mm. Imagine the St. Louis Mills, except there's a rink on each side and the hallways down the middle where everyone gathers and uh, there's hockey going on constantly. You know, there's two games two times a day at you know, I think the first game usually starts at three and three thirty and then 6.30 and 7 or something like that and you get to watch as much of it as you can watch and uh, especially on that first, so they take Sunday off, but especially on that first and second day, it is crawling with uh, you know, coaches and executives and scouts and uh, you know, media, actually the media showed up more in the second half this time, but just you know uh, Garrett had a couple of long conversations with Craig Conroy. They're best friends now. Mm-hmm. Craig Conroy, thousand game played in the NHL, assistant GM of the uh, Calgary Flames. That Craig Conroy, they're 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 bosom buddies. One yeah, Facebook say. friends. Uh, I shared a bleacher, not like the same bleacher, but I sh- I sat in the bleachers with John Tortorella at one point and uh, sat immediately behind Bill Guerin at one point, new GM of the Feckless Minnesota Wild. <laughs> we also sat immediately behind and really had an awesome conversation with jim thomas at the post dispatch he was he's like a a super cool guy which not that i didn't expect that but i don't necessarily expect media people to like go out of their way to like chat up the people sitting around him and as Mm -hmm. soon as he saw that i was wearing a cardinals hat he sat right in front of us and we talked through the whole game and got his you know scoops on a couple minor things so just like I mean, it's just stuff like that, and then you go out into town. The first night we went out and we ate at this bar, and I was sitting there, and you know we I, we were facing opposite directions. Garrett was facing towards the door, but um, Craig Berube walked up, <laughs> like he he I saw him out of the corner of my eye, you know, and he was mm-hmm. like grabbing chairs at a table and like moving them to you know make one full table and. Uh, Apparently Garrett didn't see him come in at all, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's great!" And Steve Ott was with him, and slowly Van Ryan and uh, Krejci, or not Krejci, Savard joined him, mm-hmm. and it was just like we were sitting ten feet from the entire Blues coaching staff. And then one of them noticed we had a Blues hat, and so it was that awkward sort of so <laughs> like we didn't actually go over and harass him too much. But uh, yeah, it's just that sort of craziness. Uh, Doug Armstrong was in his leisure suit because he's won a cup now, so he doesn't have to care. It's just, I, it's, and on top of all that, it's a a gorgeous city. It's like the perfect, it's the perfect kind of city to take like a weekend or four or five day road trip to anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, great food right by, right on Lake Michigan, really beautiful place. So I, I'd strongly recommend it to 
any Blues fan. Unfortunately, it's kind of at an awkward kind of time of the year, uh, right after school starts back and right after Labor Day. So I know it's hard mm-hmm. for some folks to get off, but I would, I love it. I'd love to have more people come out there. We could have a whole two guys one cup delegation next year. I'd love <laughs> it. I really would. It's it's awesome, and I definitely I think we both plan to go again. So. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And plus, you get to watch the Blues prospects play crappy hockey. So, you know, <laughs> that's what you're really there for. Just and, get obliterated. And, yeah, for the most part, they did exactly that. I watched Capo Caco make grown men look like small, small children, and it was great. And we'll talk about all of that as we go through the prospect pyramid. Um, but, yeah, I mean, where do we want to start tonight, Ian? We've got... The prospect pyramid, obviously, is the main thing on the agenda, but we've got some other minor news to talk about. Where do you want to start? Uh, Let's get the minor news out of the way. Which part of the minor? I guess there's only one big minor. We've got some major minor news, Um, everyone. We have the signing of... The heart and the soul of the Winnipeg Jets. Wow. The crooner, the songster, the blue-eyed soul of the Winnipeg Jets. The blue-eyes white dragon <laughs> of the deck that Kevin, is the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Dayoff looked at his cap-friendly page, and he said, Patrick Line to who? Kyle Connor what? I need to lock down the centerpiece of this organization, and we thank him for it mm-hmm. because we have uh, we have Josh Morrissey, not Kyle Connor. We don't have Kyle Connor at all, yeah. so no more of Valley Girl jokes. But we have Josh Morrissey for eight years, fifty million total, which is six two five a season. Correct. I'm bad at math, and. He's a he's a jet forever, and sometimes. How old is he? Twenty four. He's twenty four. People make decisions. This was a decision, and they made it, and that's, mm. you know, kind of what I can say. What do you think about the the Jets committing to Josh Mor- Morrissey, about whom I know? Nothing as a player. Nothing. Okay, so then my question to you, which you won't know, then is, is he better than Colton Pareko? Oh, God, no. Not a chance. Uh, I mean, I just know out of hand that he's not better than Colton Pareko. So 6.25, 6.25 a year is too much for the Jets to be paying him. But eight years is too long for Josh <laughs> Morrissey to sign. Yes, I think they both. I think they're both half winners and half losers on this. That feels 
Correct. Like, why would you sign until you're 32? No, in a time when no one is signing eight-year deals, you signed an eight-year deal for $6.25 million? I you mean, weren't going to bet on yourself a little bit? You just said, ah, let's just go for that. Well, I mean, I guess I can't blame him too much because I'm... I also pick safety over risk, but that doesn't seem to be the case with most NHL players these days. So I'm just surprised a 24-year-old RFA, right? Uh-huh. Uh, no. No. This is a year in advance. Yeah, but I'm that's, sorry, that's it, what I mean. But he is RFA, or he's like not UFA. will be next year, yeah. or he would have been. Why? This is puzzling. This <laughs> is very much like what we talked about last week. Was it just last week? With um, Clayton Keller? Uh-huh, yeah. But with Clayton Keller, I expect him to live up to the contract, and it was really good for Clayton Keller, and then I think eventually it's going to look really good for the Jet or for the Coyotes. This one, I think, will eventually look good for the Jets as the cap goes up, and maybe Morrissey plays okay. Um, he's probably going to be their, like, he's their number one defenseman now, Yeah. Uh-huh. Trub is gone, Meyer's gone. Neither of them were really number one defensemen. I don't know if Josh Morrissey fits the bill either. But I think the Jets are going to win out in the long run with this. Yeah. Uh, Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey, who's like the chart brilliant guy mm-hmm. whose stuff I can't always understand. Uh, oh, actually, this was him retweeting Micah Blake McCurdy, so excuse me. Uh, Michael Blake McCurdy at Ineffective Math on Twitter said, Josh Morrissey is a very good second pair defenseman. Which mm. Mm. isn't what you pay that kind of money for. No. And I, I gotta tell you, I think the Winnipeg Jets are lost a little bit. They gave huge money to Connor Hallebuck. Mm-hmm. He rewarded them massively in their first season of that because I think it, they signed that two years ago, right? Yep. Or did they sign it just last year? They're locking down um, a team that really hasn't actually done anything. Yeah. I mean, they made the Western Conference final, and but then, then they lost in five games. And then at the same time, there's like legitimate smoke to the idea that maybe they're not happy with. Uh, Patrick Wine and they're thinking about trading him, which I guess if you can trade him for Mitch Marner mm-hmm. or something. But the six year six point one six million for Hellebuck was last summer. Mm-hmm. So they're paying Josh Morrissey more per season than they're paying Connor Hellebuck, who was also bad last year. Blake Wheeler's 33 and has five years left on his deal. Mark Scheifele has a great deal. He's 26. It's five years at 6.125. That's perfect. Nikolai Ehlers, wasn't he a train wreck last year? He didn't do well in the playoffs, that's for sure. And he's got six years at six million left. Brian Little, I don't think, is especially great anymore. Nah, he's older. Um, and he's got five years left. Or really? Four, uh, let's see. I just clicked off of it. Five years left at 5.25 How old is million. He? Uh, 32. 31. Okay. Um, so it's just like, what are you doing here, guys? This strikes me as exactly what you said. They're locking down a team that hasn't done anything yet. And, you know, the, the knock on... 
Yeah, Brian Little had just 41 points in 31 games. Nikolai Ehlers had 37 and 62. Imagine if we hadn't trade, traded for O'Reilly. And I'll go as far as even saying, like, signing Perron and Bozak. We just kept um, Berglund and Saboka, and we said, man, we've just met, you know, we haven't played our best in the playoffs, but I bet we can eventually. Uh-huh. Let's, let's keep this train rolling. Yeah. That would have been a mistake. Yeah. And I'm not, and I shouldn't really compare our old team, our team of old, to what the Jets are now. I think the Jets are better than what the Blues used to be. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it is kind of like saying, well, we're just going to keep rolling the dice. We like the team we have. We're just going to keep taking a whack at it every year with the same thing and hope that eventually uh, luck just wins out. Or, you know, our, our skill over and over all these years just wins out. And I don't know if that's going to happen with them. I think they do need to shake it up a little bit in Winnipeg. It seems like Sheveldayoff, who doesn't really like to make trades all that often or moves, did a couple. Uh-huh. And then he's kind of locked himself back into the, and now we're just going to sit and wait. Yeah. And like you said, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, I don't see how they're going to improve that way. And they need to improve. Yeah. I think you brought up the point about Shovel Day off trading, and I, that's what I was going to say, is he used to be labeled as this guy who's kind of timid and overly cautious, and then he made a couple of deals. He made the Stasny deal. Um, I think he did a couple of other things, and that kind of faded away. But these signings are kind of strike me as proof of that. And then the guys he absolutely can't live without, and I think Kyle Connor is more valuable possibly than Patrick Wine. They're both very good mm-hmm. young players. Patrick Wine last season worried me. Maybe it's an anomaly, but he had 25 goals, I think, maybe 30, and five of those came in one game. Mm-hmm. Not. That's a little worrisome against us. I know. <laughs> Thanks, um, Patrick. Donald Cision projected the Jets for 91.8 points and said after last season's second-half struggles and seeing their blue line decimated in the offseason, the question isn't can the Jets win the Cup this year, it's can the Jets make the playoffs. And I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see what it is about that team that I'm supposed to fear now. I used to fear the Jets, mm-hmm. and maybe Line A will bounce back and maybe they'll be great, but I just don't see it anymore. And I think that was not a team that challenged us, especially in the playoffs. We made it look challenging, mm-hmm. <laughs> but remember that we just decimated them in Game 6 uh, before they had that you know minute mini run at the end there with the two goals, we just absolutely manhandled them. So, I think that's kind of a team that doesn't have an identity, and maybe they're trying to force one by signing some guys long term. And I don't know that that's a great idea. But we have already spent more time on Josh Morrissey <laughs> than he ever news. warranted. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and move on to uh, some other topics? The Blues are starting training camp tomorrow. Um, that is going to be at the Centene Ice Corporation. <laughs> um, They're my favorite ice maker. Absolutely. Uh, they are 
Um, yeah, that's out by Hollywood Casino. They're going to be doing it tomorrow, kicking mm-hmm. it off, and then uh, the training camp is open over the weekend to the public. You can get tickets uh, for a $10 donation to Blues for Kids. Mm-hmm. We have ours for Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, so we will be there to watch them unveil the memorial commemorative <laughs> the memorial jersey, the commemorative jersey. Um, Come see us at our booth. Yeah, we will be uh, outside the concourse. We'll be out where the smokers that's, are. <laughs> that's word, but not e-cigarettes because oh, Trump's no. getting rid no. of those. So oh, we won't good. be smoking either. We'll just be <laughs> coughing. Uh, the um, roster that they have announced will include uh, second-round pick Nikita Alexandrov, uh, Sammy Boy, Tyler Bozak, Barbashev. I'm not going to read all of these. Cameron Darcy, Eric Foley, Robbie Jackson, who was at Traverse City, kind of interesting. Uh, a bunch of names that you uh, will either hear about later today or already expect to be on the roster or won't ever care about. Uh, there aren't any fun uh you know, PTO invites Paul Bissonette's not there, any of that. He could have um, been. He could have been. They they invited seven goalies, uh, including Adam Wilcox, who I've never heard of. Uh, they have uh, Eric Foley there. So that's interesting. We talked about that a little off-air, mm, offline. Off but um, I don't know if he's healthy or not. So I guess we'll find out soon. We'll see what kind of helmet he's wearing. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, I hope he is because, man, he's a special. He has the potential to be a special player if uh, he can stay healthy, as we'll talk about in a little while. So, folks, the, reg- the regular season is less than a month away. It's 20 days away now, I think, is opening night. Mm-hmm. Yikes. So, I'm um, not prepared. No, not at all, but I'm excited. Uh, so, yeah. That's uh, that's the blues. That is the blues. <laughs> the current blues. Um, so why don't we talk about great transition, Ian? The blues of the future. Folks, you know the Prospect Pyramid. We did it last year. Episode 50, I believe it was. 50 on the dot. This is episode 93 on On the the dot. dot. You know, 93, Uh, what they say. Some of these people may have been born in 1993, so that's the symbolism there. Uh, To get us... To get us well lubricated for this. If you were born in 1993 and you're on the Prospect Pyramid, you're not making it. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the bottom round for you people. You've That's been a, buried under the six. pyramid. Uh, we bought a bottle of uh, Barstool Sports' Pink Whitney, the Spit and Chicklets Vodka. Uh, Ian, wh- why don't you tell us about Pink Whitney? What What are we looking at here? Uh <laughs> You gotta do it in the voice. Here we go. Uh, The Spit and Chicklets crew has. I can't even do it. I can't even. All right, I'll go. The Spit and Chicklets crew has taken over New Amsterdam vodka to create a spirit inspired by Ryan Whitney's favorite drink, award winning New Amsterdam vodka mixed with fresh pink lemonade. (laughs) You're almost there. The result. Is an exceptionally smooth, great-tasting pink lemonade-flavored vodka. Not 
a big deal. You read that as uh, R.A. because if you'd read it as Paul Vesnet, we wouldn't be done for half an hour now. Uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to try this. We're going to sample it on air, and then we're going to get started with our uh, podcast. It says to enjoy straight or with a club soda. We don't have club soda. We're men. Mm-hmm. We're men at this. this, this we're men. men, and this is a pink drink. Uh, I tried White Claw for the first time at... Um, that is more than a shot. <laughs> That's you, baby. You get the more than a shot. At uh, Traverse City, it was, pre- it was pretty good. You know, it was, it was all right. Well, White Claw, as far as I know, is just Sprite with alcohol in it. I'm, uh, I'm moving up the... Um, I'm moving slowly up the girly drink water because let's be honest, it may be modeled, modeled after spit and chicklets, but it's pink lemonade vodka. It's yeah. not exactly masculine, but uh, well, I'd cheers, but I don't think you cheers shots. Okay, well, because then as get... we established, we are <laughs> men. <laughs> Asterisk. I guess we All just right, here do we it go. Yeah, it's not the ah. worst. <laughs> Not great either. That tastes like vodka. <laughs> Steven's like vodka. face does look like he just swallowed poison. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a Bruce Boudreaux it a little bit, but we're going to power through. It looks like Mr. Yuck. <laughs> you and Bruce. You're going to make me yuck. Uh, I would definitely drink that with something. That, I'd that water is, that down a little bit. That is a very good um, mixer. Yeah. I think it's a good foundation for uh, club soda or Not pink lemonade. A big deal. I don't know that I would have had that straight. We should have filmed that. You could have seen my face, but uh, this is no audio podcast. According to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages. I really wish you during pregnancy before. I'm sorry. <laughs> because of the risk of birth defects. I've already had plenty of birth defects. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've already been born. We've had it. It's been had. So speaking of being had, let's talk about the people that have graduated. That didn't quite work from the prospect pyramid. So for those of you, do we want to start with explaining the prospect period or the graduates first? Um, we should probably explain it first. Yeah, let's right? explain. The pyramid. The prospect pyramid is the brainchild of Steve Dangle, our other favorite podcast, no, no, no. hockey podcast host. Too. The prospect pyramid is something you buy into. Uh, you start at the bottom. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's five dollars at the bottom. You're gonna go around to uh, your neighbors. You're gonna be selling them uh, hockey paraphernalia, in fact. And then if you sell enough, you can then become. Someone who is a manager of people that used to do your job. Uh-huh. Now you still have to sell things. Yes. Don't get me wrong, because there is another tier of yeah, of course, you. right? <laughs> now we, now we're at the top, but that's because we made it all the way up here, and you right. can too. Except there's not a lot of room at the top, so you're gonna have to wait until we die. Yeah, I mean, or you can surpass us. But, but Ian just turned 29. That could be any minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm so old. <laughs> Uh, the Prospect Pyramid in actuality is the brainchild of Steve Dangle, our other favorite hockey podcast host, to shout out. Uh, he created in 2016 when the 
Maple Leafs were rife with prospects that have all become huge busts or contract holdouts. Uh, they had Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, uh, and the whole crew. Wow, don't you wish they'd just be back on the pyramid, it's, Steve? <laughs> it's a different approach to ranking prospects. So rather than having the impossible to resolve arguments about whether Scott Perunovich is better than Clem Costin, he is. Or Austin Pagansky is more likely to succeed than Dakota Joshua. Who we simply support. We simply sort the prospects into tiers. So what are the tiers? Tier one is the hallowed ground. This tier is for elite prospects by Steve Dangle's own uh, definition. He arguably made a mistake because in his first year, tier one excluded Mitch Marner and. Um, William Nylander, I almost said Michael Nylander, but he also held out for a contract (laughs) once. Uh, So this is just for the truly elite of the elite. We've talked about on this show before that uh, the word elite gets thrown around a lot. We will not do it here. Um, The Blues have no elite players. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have no elite players, probably. They certainly have uh, no elite prospects. Um, these are the guys you build a franchise around. They're probably 10 to 15 in the NHL at a time. It's Connor McDavid, it's Sidney Crosby, it's Austin Matthews. And the only prospects who could even uh, come close to that right now are Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. And even they are kind of debatable because they weren't that sure number one overall, no mm-hmm. questions asked sort of characters. Uh I saw Capo Caco this weekend. He is extraordinary. <laughs> I have no qualms putting him in that tier, but I'm not putting any blues uh, into that tier. I don't think an elite prospect would ever come anywhere outside of the top five picks because, like, even if, you know, Nikita Kucherov, whatever he was, mm-hmm. was like a second or third rounder, but, like, you didn't know yeah. he was elite at the time or he would have been chosen in the first five picks. Like, anyone who knew yeah. who Kucherov would become would have obviously drafted him second or third overall or first, depending on who else was in that year. But I think that's a good time to mention, too, then, that these projections are kind of like what we think this player's ceiling yeah. would be. Because yeah. like much like Kucherov, you draft him, he looks really good. He looks like a good player. Mm. But at the time, his ceiling is not an elite-level yeah. player. It's a little bit of a mixture. I mean, it's mostly that, and then it's a little bit like, how likely are they to even make yeah, the NHL? And we'll talk about that as we go through. Uh, your Tier 2 are your stars. These are your top-line uh, players, your t- top two defenders, your lion's share goalies. Uh, the Blues have a handful of these guys. These are the guys, if you don't have an elite player, uh, who you're going to see in like the NBC broadcast commercials for Wednesday Night Rivalry when apparently the Sabres versus the Blues is a rivalry because that's who was playing on that Oh, Wednesday they killed night. that last season. Oh, it's like they? Wednesday Night Hockey, uh, I don't well, know. Well, that's, I guess, Good better, job, but, NBC. Uh, for the Blues, these guys are Uriah O'Reilly's, Vladimir Tarasenko's, Colton Pareko's, uh, Alex Petrangelo's. Uh, I wouldn't even put Jordan Bennington here quite yet because we just don't know. I mean, he probably, he, hopefully, he does mm-hmm. what he did last year and he gets up there. But um, these are the guys you build your team around in the absence of uh, level one 
centerpiece mm-hmm. prospect. What you look oh, like, you have a devilish grin. That's a, such a it's a true statement, but it's such an absurd statement to listen to when uh-huh. you can say Jordan Bennington just won the St. Louis yeah. Blues the Cup. Comma, he has a lot to prove. And <laughs> yeah. it's just true. Right. No, it just kind of is true. Uh, tier three are your studs. They're your top six, your top four defensemen, your starter in a tandem, uh, but your queer starter in a tandem. These are the guys you you know have to have to be a contender, but you don't think about the same way you think about stars, and they don't receive the national attention usually, but they're huge contributors. So like your Schwartz, your Shin, you're done. Um Tier four, the solid guys, they're in your top nine, your third line, starting six. Uh, defenders back up in a tandem. These are your David Perrons, your uh, Oscar Sundquist, your Ivan Barbashevs, those guys who uh, play in significant support roles. Uh, and you could replace them, sure, but why would you want to? Uh, your Gunnarsons, your Edmondsons to a lesser extent this year. And then tier five is serviceable guys who are bottom six. Uh, seventh defenseman, career backup goalies. They aren't your favorite players, hell. They aren't anyone's favorite players, <laughs> but uh, it's a cap league, and they usually won't embarrass you too badly. Uh, this is, you know, Robert Bortuzzo, <laughs> Alex Steen today, you know, Jake Allen uh, in perpetuity. And then your final guys are, you know, kind of your scrubs, your meh category. They're just... And there's everyone else, and then there's these guys. You don't need to learn their names because yeah. they won't be around long. You know them. Um, you quote-unquote love them. Jordan Nolan, Nathan Walker. They're the guys in the big cup photo Chris that we Butler, now have where you go through Michael and you go, Delzata. who the hell's that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I had to look up what Minshranky looks <laughs> like the other day. <laughs> so that's kind of the idea, and we'll obviously talk about that more as we go through. But uh, the idea is just to give you who, you know, the reason we do this episode isn't so much to say, hey, we're prospect experts and we're confidently telling yeah, you that Alexei Torepchenko is going to be a first, you know, a top six winger who scores 30 goals. That's not what we're doing here at all. The, you know, I'll give you my thoughts from Traverse City, but you can just take that with a whole heaping grain of salt because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but, you know, more for us, it's more like, hey, where can Blues fans go to get all the details on all the prospects of any importance whatsoever mm. in one place and kind of get a feeling for who's who, where do they come from, what might they become, yeah, and just, you know, have a fun conversation about who is who. And so uh, with that in mind, why don't we take a look back at the people uh, who have graduated from this pyramid from last year, which you can find, uh, if, if Ian reminds me and if I can remember, I'll try to remember to go back and retweet last year's pyramid so it's easier to find. Uh, near the top of our feed, but um, these are the guys who were on the pyramid last year at some point and no longer are. We'll start with the guys who graduated the fun way. Uh, <laughs> Robert Thomas was a tier two prospect. He was the best prospect in the Blues system last year, and he uh, emerged as an everyday NHL player. He had 33 points in 70 games in the regular season. He averaged Man, more than I thought. Yeah, exactly. He really picked it up in the last month, more or less. He probably got like 10 points in March and April. Oh. Um, 
13 over 13 minutes time on ice. He was a 51.3% Corsi 4, uh, 2.7 point share, just minus 0.1 Corsi 4 relative, which means, you know, he's right there neck and neck with the rest of the team already as a, mm-hmm. what was he, a 19 year old most of last mm-hmm. year, all of last year, I think. Um, this is a guy who became more and more significant. He was getting double shifted uh, in the Dallas series. He was the basically he is the reason we advanced yeah. <laughs> in that series. Not just because he was double shifted and was huge, but also because he single handedly created the goal that Patrick Maroon eventually knocked in mm-hmm. uh, to walk off the ice as you know winners of that series. Uh, he had that wrist injury. And the, around the time of that series, and stopped being a factor in the playoffs, and then took that hit from was it Krug or McAvoy, whichever Krug, one. Yeah. Krug. Um, and he had the wrist surgery shortly after the Cup win, so hopefully he'll be a hundred percent. But I mean, we've been blabbing about this guy forever. The sky's the limit for I'm, him. I'm just glad we were right. I think he'll. St- be a mega star. I think if anyone in the current Blues could graduate to that elite tier, it's probably Robert mm-hmm. Thomas. And I know some people are out there saying, "Is Ryan O'Reilly not elite?" The answer is no. <laughs> like if if you live by yeah. this maniacal standard that Steve Dangle set up, not quite. I mean, he's very close. Yeah. He's the centerpiece of a team, but you yeah. know, you're talking about guaranteed Hall of Famers basically versus. Really, really good players. And Ryan Rowley may make the Hall of Fame, mm. but he's not that guy that you're like, for sure that dude just has to do what he's doing and be a Hall of Fame player. Mm. And I'm not trying to start something, and I know Connor McDavid will win a cup, but your non-elite Ryan O'Reilly has won a cup, and mm-hmm. Connor McDavid, the elite of elite, has not. So yeah. honestly, even when people compare, who's the best? Is this guy better than that guy? Sure, yeah, whatever. But if it's getting your, if it fits your team better... Makes your team better. Yeah. You win a cup with that. And it doesn't thing, matter. Like I don't care how good Connor McDavid in it is. If I have to win a faceoff, I'd mm. rather have Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. You know, like there are things that guys are going to do better. I'm just talking about the overall perception of yeah. the guy. You know, you get you guys get the picture. Uh, Jordan Bennington also graduated out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, he was a tier five and an absolute <laughs> afterthought as an AHL goalie last year. I think. Honestly, we would have kicked him off the pyramid this year. Yeah, listen to ter- it. Like if, if did you listen to our? I from did last listen year? to most of it. I don't know if I got to Bennington, but we basically I'm just pretty said, sure we just said, "What are whatever. you?" Yeah, I He's think I think we mentioned older. like he had that decent year at Providence last yeah. year, but like. Basically, he was a nobody, yeah. and now he's a Stanley Cup champion, 24-5-1, 9-27 save percentage, 189 goals against average, 13-74 goals saved above average in the regular season. He was fifth in the Vesna voting, and I don't, I didn't even ever notice this, but he was 10th in the Hart voting. Really? He received uh, a second-place vote, two-thirds, a fourth, and a fifth, and beat out some jabronis like Mark Stone, Ryan O'Reilly, Steven Stamkos, Patrice Bergeron, Alexander Barkov, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, he beat off John Tavares, beat off. Well, beat of out. course he did. Oh, uh, well, yeah, oh, he's a jabroni. Hello, hello. But, <laughs> but, I mean, this guy became the only ever rookie to win 16 games on route to a Stanley Cup. Uh, he was 16 and 10 in the playoffs, 914 save percentage, 246 goals against average, but minus a couple of crappy games, he's even better than that. He became a monster in game seven. Uh, he was with his back against the wall or after losses. He was great the whole time. We talked about he has a lot to prove. I mean, he 
he will be a legend in St. Louis mm. forever, regardless of what his season looks like, career looks like going forward. We mm. just want to see the consistency because this was so unexpected, <laughs> which is to our point that we don't know crap, mm. you know, but. To be fair, no one no else one was, was out there no. like, oh, I think Jordan Bennington really makes a push yeah, this year. Out. So, um, Sammy Blay was a guy we we kind of talked about still including. Uh, he was a tier four last year. I think if we included him again, we'd have probably we probably have kept him there. That's probably about where he belongs with the Perons mm-hmm. and the you know Santa yeah, Claus and agree. that sort of guy. I feel like we've seen there's more to him. I think, but I don't think there's like. A lot mm-hmm. more. And yeah. I don't mean that as like a dig at Sammy Blay at yeah. all. I just think he has some production. He could obviously improve him. I think the player you see is yeah. the player you are going to well, get. Well, and he skates well. Yeah. He hits like a truck. And he adds some scoring. He's your energy guy. That's he's like a, He's for. like a lower rent Wayne Simmons, you know. And those guys have long NHL careers for a reason. Uh, he was he was a tier four, as we said, two goals and two assists in the regular season. Never quite caught on, uh, but then he really came alive in the playoffs. Barubi just balls of steel to start him in the game six elimination game in uh, Dallas against Dallas, and he had a goal and two assists in fifteen games played to go along with seventy hits and almost twelve minutes of ice time. Zach Samford also broke out in last year's playoffs. He was also a tier four last season. He. He was very hot and cold during the season. He had that period where uh, he and O'Reilly and Perron Ron, looked yeah. like the like best line on the team, and he looked like a potential star. Uh, and but he ended with eight goals and twelve assists and sixty game plays. Uh, he recovered from shoulder injuries all last all of the season before last. He lost his father. He fought Robert Bortuzzo. Uh, well, he was punched by yeah, Robert Bortuzzo. But he became a fixture, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals. He had a goal and three assists in uh, 10 minutes of ice time throughout the playoffs, but all of those points came in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, he was a plus five and had well over 13 minutes in Game 6 and Game 7. Uh, I still feel like I don't really know what Zach Sanford mm-hmm. is. Agreed. I think, like, he's the guy that I most think, like, could he be the Oscar Sunquist this year where it's like, oh, shit, this is like, we thought he was like, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, if he's mm-hmm. a body, he's a pretty good body. And he then he's like, like 15 goals yeah, or something. Yeah, like, or even more than, you know, like even pushes 20 or something mm-hmm. like that. I think that's totally possible. Or I think it could be like, oh, he's the guy that like got kind of bounced out of the way for Cairo and his, you know, glory moment was scoring that Stanley Cup winner on his home arena, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not winner, but the final goal on the Stanley he Cup. Does, he does have shades of Patrick Berglund where it's like you yeah. have all the tools and I see you put them together sometimes. Uh-huh. And it's like if you just did this consistently, I could see you easily sticking on this yeah. team, no problem. And that's where with the with – the, you know, shoulder injury the year before and the father circumstances, I'm totally willing to give him a total pass on last regular season and just say, Hey, I would like, I'd love, uh, it's almost, a, we've got such a good team that it's a shame that Blake Cairo and Sanford aren't all going to have 82 games, you know, but I'd love them all to get it and just see what they are. Um, and I think right now, as much as I love Kairu, I mean, like, he's the one of those three that has to 
earn his spot mm-hmm. most, I think. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz was traded for Andreas Borgman, uh, who we'll talk about in a little bit. His time with the Blues was uh, long since up, and honestly, mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of surprised not to be cruel to him that we got like a valuable body back. I'm it was surprised just, he was here this long. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty inarguably now the biggest draft bust of the Doug Armstrong era, and I'm. Uh, was he first round? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he was our really our only first round bust in this whole era. We've had a lot of second round kind of misses, mm. but um, Tommy Vanilli. Yeah, exactly. And the guy that was drafted after Tarasenko and Schwartz, who you've never heard of. Excuse but, me. <laughs> um, there were other people drafted. <laughs> I forgot all that. Uh, yeah. So uh, good on Armstrong for getting some from Sh- for Schmaltz. I'm really kind of surprised that. Uh, Dubis thought that Jordan Schmaltz was a player that Mike Babcock would use. By the way, we saw Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubis this weekend in uh, Toronto as well, or in Traverse City, as well as Brendan Shanahan and Steve Eiserman. More reason to come, folks. You could, you could walk. You could have walked right. I could have walked right up to Kyle Dubis and said, "Sign Mitch, you bitch," and you just walked away. Asshole. Like I really could have, <laughs> and like. That would have been unpleasant for both of us, but there was no stopping me. He wasn't, like, surrounded by security. Mm. He would have never been able to sleep again. (laughs) He would have tweeted some, you know, kind of stoic meme and done it at, like, 4 in the morning just to know he was thinking of me. (laughs) Uh, The boys lost Pateri Lindbom. He left for Sweden or Switzerland just almost immediately after we made him a Tier 5 last year. Sorry, Uh, 15 points in 41 games with Lausanne and renewed his contract. Dmitry Sergeyev was a Tier 5 prospect we didn't know crap about last season. Uh, He showed up uh, super fat to camp and got cut. You can't do that. You can't do that. that. Unless you're uh, <laughs> That's right. He uh, paid 26 game for HK Almaty in the Kazakhstan League last year. Excuse me. <laughs> got five goals <laughs> or five points in 26 games and earned a shot in the second tier KHL. You're not a big fan of HK Almaty in no, the I Kazakhstan just, League? I, just, I know the KHL is the Continental Hockey League uh-huh. with a K because it's in Russia. But you would think the KHL would be the Kazakhstan Hockey yeah. League, but they're not allowed to use that no, because I don't. KHL. I don't think it's called the Kazakhstan League. Oh, I hope for it the is. Record. It I be think I just that. replaced whatever gibberish it was <laughs> with the Kazakhstan. League. All right, makes sense. Makes uh, sense. Dwyer Chance, we were deprived really of the chance to keep Braden Shen, Jaden Schwartz, Jordan Schmaltz, and Dwyer Chance straight. Oh, uh, what what a pity it what is. Have you done, Doug? <laughs> Uh, Dwyer Chance was a tier six last season uh, after he was a seventh rounder in 2014 who never got tendered to contract and had 16 points in 50 games with the Maine Mariners of the ECHL last year. And finally, uh, well, not finally, but of the people who just suck too much <laughs> to advance, Connor Bleakley was a tier six last season. The Blues did not tender him a qualifying offer this summer. And with just 16 points in 57 games last season uh, with San Antonio, he moved on to sign a one year contract with the Idaho Steelheads of the ECHL making Ian Connor Bleakley. Connor Bleakley, sweet, humble mm. little Connor Bleakley, the only first round pick 
from the 2014 draft Mm -hmm. to never play a game in the NHL. Really? I believe that is correct. The 2014 first-round draft featured Aaron Ekblad, Sam Reinhart, Leon Dreisaitl, Sam Bennett, Michael Dalcole, Jake Shotgun, Jake Vertanen, Hayden Fleury, William Nylander, Nikolai Ehlers, Nick Ritchie. As a 10th overall pick, woof. <laughs> um, like fourth line? Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Fiala, Brandon Perlini, Brendan Perlini, Jacob Vrana, Julius Honka, 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 your favorite son, Dylan Larkin, Sonny Milano, who has played, I did check, uh, Travis Sanheim, uh, Alex Tuck, Anthony D'Angelo, who uh, remains unsigned, I believe, in New York. Uh, John, John Davidson, paging John Davidson. You may want to get on that. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, Robbie Fabry, sad. Kasperi Kapanen, Connor Bleakley, Jared McCann, David Posternock, Nikita Shervak, Nikolai Goldov, and Josh Hosang, Adrian Kemp, and John Quinville. Holy cow. Other than maybe John Quinville right at the end... I, I Who has played in the NHL? Me. I checked. I recognize every one of those names. Yeah. That is unbelievable. There's always a first round where I'm like, what the fuck is a <laughs> Robbie Dongle? I'm like, I've never heard of you. Wow, no way. Yeah, Connor Bleakley is the only one. And he also re-entered And Quinville, you know, just because of his name. So yeah, yeah he was one, he just never got his entry-level contract from the... Avalanche. Avalanche. He was traded by the Avalanche to the uh, Coyotes at one point, and they didn't tender him a contract, and so he re-entered the draft. We took a flyer on him in, like, the fourth or fifth round, and Mm. he just never, I don't know what his story was, but it's amazing to see a guy crash and burn from 23rd overall pick to, you know... Steelheads. Uh, Steelheads of Idaho, not the Mississauga ones. Yeah, in fact, the lesser known Steelheads. I don't want to sting the uh, Avalanche too badly because, after all, we did put them first in our uh, misery index, or last, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. But they did miss David Posternock by two picks to take Connor Bleakley. Not as bad as, now that we're just doing random trivia, um, I think it was the 2015 NHL draft. Mm -hmm. I just have to share this because I learned it this week, and then we'll get into the (laughs) nitty-gritty. The the Boston Bruins had three picks in a row. Pick 13, 14, and 15. They chose Jacobs Borrell. Never heard of him. Jake DeBrusque, perfectly okay, yeah. serviceable NHL player. And Zachary Sinchin. Never heard of him. The next three picks oh. were Matthew Barzell, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? <laughs> this is what we were talking about. And they're still so good. How do you get to be so good? This is what we were talking about where... Uh, those other three teams that got them, the Senators and the Islanders, and who was the other guy? Barzil, Shabbat, and uh-huh. whoever the other guy oh, was. Uh, Connor. Yeah, and the Jets Hi. <laughs> got, like, maybe got their guy, because, like, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. the Bruins took these other dudes. Or maybe those the dudes Jets, were supposed to be that good. The Islanders are sitting there thinking, oh, please, just... 
Oh, three straight picks. I know one of them's going to be Barzal. I just mm-hmm. I just know it. How could you not? He's so good. Mm-hmm. They have three. Take a chance on him. And then it's up to the last pick, and they're like, they hear that name, whatever it is. I already lost it. And they're just like, it's not Matthew Barzal. Holy shit, we uh, get Matthew <laughs> Barzal, baby. Uh what a what a year! What a what a failure! And they still ended up in the Stanley Cup final uh, four years later. Did they? Did they win? Did no? They same. They came so close, dude. Oh. The Boston Bruins. It's a it's a heartbreaking story. There's no harm in coming second, baby. Yeah. There's no harm in it. Someone always comes second. Yeah. Someone has to. That's and right. I'm so sorry. But this year. It was you, baby. And uh, finally, to round out the graduates, Luke Opilka was uh, the St. Louis kid who was a tier six last year, just never could stay healthy, and finally uh, retired in November after repeated hip surgeries. You need hips to be a goalie, mm-hmm. um, it turns out. And or a person. He didn't have them no more. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's sad, but I think he's he's found some jobs coaching and uh, consulting bad, while he's but... finishing school. So hopefully all the best for him as he proceeds into hopefully a great hockey career. And maybe he'll be a great head coach one day mm-hmm. or something, you know? We also lost, um, what was his name, Adam Musel. Oh, yeah, we did lose Adam Musel. To, I think, Europe. Europe. Yeah, I think I don't know why I forgot to include he, him here. But. I think we always said he was going to be the next Kyle Brodziak, who also retired, uh-huh. I believe. Um, and he's... Yeah, Kyle Brodziak did retire. Kudos to Kyle. Um, the Blues drafted Nikita Alexandrov, Colton Ellis, Kian Washkarak, Vadim Jarenko, and Jeremy Michel this year, who are the... Um, Players that will sort into the pyramid. We didn't really sort them last year, and I think we're just going to do it from now on. We put just understand that. Yeah, understand that as we talk about those guys, it's with a lot of grain of salt because who knows? You know, Mm -hmm. you can be a you can have a huge jump in your post draft year, a huge fall, and uh, that's just Just it. Never know. So now it's time for the prospect pyramid. 30 minutes later after I said that the first time. We're so sorry. Uh, it will get better. <laughs> so it'll, 93 episodes oh, it's gonna we're improve. still trying. God, once we hit 100, we're really going to be rolling. Uh, it's just the preseason exactly. that goes on forever. There are, as uh, in in Tier 1, as it might not surprise you after our our glowing endorsement there? last year. There are none. Oh, there are no St. Louis Blues. Uh, again, it's it's only Hughes and Capo Caco right now, and maybe Kale McCarr that are even have an argument of being in that tier and for prospects. And it's just, it's either rarefied error or there's no point to having it. You know. Looking, so looking at the prospect pyramid right now that Stephen has made, that is to my left and Stephen's right because we're sitting across from each other, and that's how rights and left work. <laughs> um, I don't know how you even fit someone in that top tier steven it's it's a tiny little triangle well maybe i was aware there would be no one in there oh. and i didn't try very hard because <laughs> oh, i know, also notice how they're just there's just miles of space for for the fellow in tier two's name yeah. just miles of it blues i gotta ask was it worth it to win the cup to have no one in <laughs> tier one of your prospect really pyramid? ask yourself that question dougie shouldn't we have been tanking it Shouldn't have been losing for Hughes. 
Maybe. We almost did. We were, we were full we were on Lose that. for Hughes. Oh, 100%. Oh, my God. What a year. Hot dog. What a year. Hot dog. <laughs> um, that is the funniest moment in the history of this podcast. <laughs> that and Mitch Marner. <laughs> um Let's let's move on to to, to tier two, our stars. Uh, these are your top line, your top pairing defensemen, your uh, absolute lion's share starting goalies, and we have one prospect in tier two, and his name is Jordan Cairo. He was a second round pick in 2016, the 35th overall pick from the Sarnia Sting of the Ontario Hockey League. He was acquired in the Brian Elliott trade. Excels. Uh, well, the pick was acquired, not yeah. Jordan Cairo himself, but we used it quickly thereafter. He was an elite point producer in the Ontario Hockey League. He won most outstanding player and highest scoring right winger for 109 points in 56 games in uh, 17 18. And that's not the QMJHL, folks. You no, can't just these... score at will with the NHL. <laughs> no, no, no. These are real hockey players. Justin can just come in here yeah. and score <laughs> a thousand right. points. That's right. Uh, we. Uh, saw Jordan Cairo win a gold medal at the World Juniors mm-hmm. in 1718 with Robert Thomas at his side. Uh, Cairo is speed, 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 and a lot of other stuff, but a lot of speed. He's an, as elite a skater as you can be without being Connor McDavid. Uh, and he's a very, very good playmaker who will be among the fastest players in the NHL whenever he makes the jump. Uh, he's got six. 16 goals and 27 assists and 30, 43 points in 47 games last year with the Rampage in San Antonio and just 10 penalty minutes, which I think is worth pointing out. He's a disciplined player. A Lady Bing candidate. Yeah, that's right. And he had one goal and two assists in uh, 16 stop-and-go appearances in the NHL. Never really got to catch on. His first ever NHL goal was in that really oh. crappy blowout against the Canucks where we were getting murdered. Which, which happens so one, much. Steven? Yeah, the one of the thousand. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you say about Cor- uh, about Jordan Cairo? Corey Promen says this. <laughs> Jordan Cairo had an excellent season as one of the best players in the AHL as a 20-year-old. His success didn't translate right away to the NHL, but I'm confident it will shortly. He has the speed, skill, and offensive intelligence to break open a shift. He's not all about the speed and dangles as Cairo is an excellent passer who makes difficult plays consistently. He has never been a highly physical player, but what I like last season is that he was consistent in his effort level, even earning some penalty kill time. Um, we were always a skosh to borrow a word you're fond of mm-hmm. higher on Robert Thomas than we were on Jordan Cairo. But I don't want that to diminish anything from what Jordan Cairo could be. This guy is a special, special player. Uh, a lot of people consider him one of the top 10 you know, NHL prospects right now that haven't made the league yet. Mm. Um, Just, you know, buckets of talent and really nothing that I can see standing in his way of being at least a very good NHL player. What are your thoughts on Jordan Kyrie? I think the only thing I would want to see more from him, and it just comes with more playing time, it's just confidence, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think last year being his first games in the NHL, you saw him 
sort of hesitate almost to like use his speed. Mm -hmm. There were times where I was thinking, man, just blow by him. But I don't know if he thinks he can yet. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where they talk about this in the NHL a lot. I don't know if they do in other sports where it's like you kind of almost have to stop being in awe of where you're at and just be like, yes, these are just any other players. Sure, it's. I don't know, Connor McDavid on the other end, but you know what? Maybe not the best example. But I can blow right by this guy, yeah. you know, um, if I want to. And so I just think with more playing time comes more confidence, and it's sort of the chicken and the egg for me where it's like, are they going to give him enough time to then gain that confidence, mm-hmm. or are they going to kind of demand that he develops it very quickly? Yeah. He had a, a knee or a hip surgery, I think, late last year and missed the end of the uh, season with the rampage and wasn't a black ace, I think, during the playoffs. I mean, he was... I don't think he was there. No, he was maybe with the team, you know, mm-hmm. in spirit. But, um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's some minor questions about will he be 100% uh, at the start of training camp or not. I don't know if he makes the roster out of camp. I lean that he does. I... You've got the Pat Maroon spot. I think if I, I've talked about this before, I, I could see the Blues making a trade before the regular season. I don't mm. think it'll be Braden Shen or anything like that, but I could see a Joel Edmondson getting moved, and I could even see them moving one of these guys who's like a body, not necessarily Samford a boy, but a guy like that who's just kind of like, taking up space, you know, and, like, could be really good. And, and I don't know what they'd be looking for necessarily. I think, you know, they could they could use some cap space just in general. They could use to add an extra prospect or two of some, you know, some note. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just – they didn't invite Cairo to Traverse City because he has nothing to gain from that. I don't see what he has to gain – from being in the AHL again, except for just consistent ice time if he can't get that at the NHL. He's obviously ready to make the jump, and and it's just about finding him the spot to do that. And I think they will. I think that the trick with him is just going to be finding the players that complement him and can Mm -hmm. really go... Nobody's going to skate with him. There's no one on the Blues that can skate at his level. I mean, the few the times I've gotten to see him at the at the rookie camp last year and at um, the uh, Traverse City last year, he's it's just it's noticeably different. You mm-hmm. see the guys, you know, Torbchenko, you think is a pretty good skater when you're watching him. Costin's a pretty good skater. You see those guys and you're like, man, they're fast. And then you see Kyra take off, and it's just like. It's ridiculous. It's totally mm-hmm. different. And so nobody's going to skate with him, but finding the guys that can complement his playing style and won't drag him down. He can't be on the line with like a maroon or somebody because he can't be waiting half an hour for guys to get in the zone mm-hmm. and catch up with him. Uh, but I think I'm confident that'll all work out. I think, do you think he plays over or under 40 NHL games this season? I hope for over, but it's under. You think I think under? he plays okay. under 40 NHL games. Um, yeah. I think if he could play... There's an least, argument for that. I think if he plays over 28, I'll 
be happy. Yeah. If he plays under, I won't be upset, but I'll be thinking, well, my, I wonder I wonder what's going to go on with him. My bigger season. hope is that whatever his games played total is, he mm. is averaging 12 minutes in those games, mm. and he really gets a shake. And then... If not this season, the next season, you just have to clear a spot for him. He doesn't have to earn a spot, mm-hmm. you know, within reason. I mean, obviously, he can't Jake Dosh in it and show up to camp 70 pounds overweight. But, like, that just needs to be a spot for him, mm-hmm. uh, whoever leaves or whatever happens. So I'd like to see it this year. I'm not confident it'll happen this year. but I'd, I'd like to see him... I like to see him prove it. That sounds really like yeah. prove it to me. But you know, I'm just like it's unquestionable. Then mm-hmm. it's the Robert Thomas thing of come in, look great, and be like, oh well, of course you're on the team. Yeah, and he listen. He made the he made the roster out of camp last year, mm-hmm. and while it's a very different team, mm-hmm. it's not a very different roster <laughs> from what he made last year. So it's very possible he does it again. Um, why don't we go ahead and move on to tier three, which is the, uh, tier that I will find the name of once I flip back. What do we call this? The studs, studs. the stud tier, uh, the top six guys, the top four defensemen, the starting goalie who occupied, you know, the most of a tandem. Um, and this Brian is, Elliott. yeah, yeah, you're Brian Elliott's, your, um, you know, even like a Ben Bishop last year, probably a two, but, you know, that kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, we start with Dominic Bach, our first-round pick from last season, the uh, 19-year-old German who's 6'2", 181. Uh, we took him with the 25th pick last year out of Germany or out of Sweden. He is German. He's playing with the Vexio Lakers, uh, and in the Swedish Hockey League last year, he played 47 games and put up 8 goals, 15 assists, and 23 uh, games, or 23 points. And that's playing with grown-up men, like mm. adults in the Swedish Hockey League. You know, your Patrick Bergwins, your <laughs> your guys who, you know, either weren't quite good enough to get drafted or have been drafted and gone back sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a real hockey league. That's, you know, to do that with men is a start. And uh, he also played extraordinarily well at the uh, Worlds last year. Germany, I think, won the second tier and is like going to be in tier one this upcoming okay. season. So we should get to see, well, yeah, we should get to see Bach at the uh, world juniors this year. Oh, neat. Um, I think that's the case. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's well, what Well, if happened. you lied to me, I'll be very upset. <laughs> he had Friends four don't goals. Lie. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Friends do intermittently just forget how to speak English, but friends don't lie. Mm-hmm. And I dumped your ass. <laughs> uh, he had four goals, 10 assists, and 14 points with Germany last year. He had 41 points uh, in 35 games on the Vexio Lakers junior squad. Um, we had a stoppage. Hold on. No, we didn't. No, we didn't have a stoppage. Garage band just bounced at me for now. Leave this in. Thank you. What? No. Oh, oh, it's it's reacting to you opening. That. Oh no. <laughs> Apple. Okay, what's so happened? are we leaving this in? Yeah. Okay, so what happened was Ian's opening the AirPods and it's very, very disturbed by that. <laughs> the so, computer does not like uh, it. <laughs> 
sounds. It does not care for if my. It makes AirPods. a weird noise to you yeah. guys. Not a ding, but like a beep pop or you know yeah, one of those. That's I'm on so Ian sorry. this time for once. Um, but yeah, it promised that Bach was up and down in his first full season. He's full of skill. Uh, he's an excellent passer who makes flashy passes routinely. He also has a decent one-timer and can score goals. His skating looked better than I thought this time last year, but his skill is more impressive than his speed. The talent is there, but Bach needs to play harder and be more consistent as he can frustrate coaches at times. I know this is a guy the Blues really wanted when they picked him at 25 last year. I know this is a guy they were open in saying this guy is too three years away mm-hmm. at best, and I don't think that's changed. You're not seeing him this year. I don't think you're seeing him next year. And I think in that third year is when you might say, hey, is he going to push for a roster spot out of camp? Uh, when we talked to Jim Thomas during that game, one of the Ooh. things he talked about is that Armstrong says this current team has a five-year window. Mm. And I agree with that, but I do think you'll see some natural churn in there. Like, I don't, I've said this before, I don't see what Braden Shin's role is long-term on this team. Robert Thomas needs to be a second-line center. Tyler Bozak is replaceable. (laughs) And Braden Shin is going to cost too much to stay and block Robert Thomas's playing time. So if he leaves, that opens a roster spot. If... Jaden Schwartz leaves in two years. That opens a roster spot. There are always going to be trades and stuff you don't predict. Tyler Bozak leaves in two years. David Perron leaves in two years when the Seattle bitch, Rain City Bitch Pigeons <laughs> We'll bring him back. We'll bring him uh, we'll, back. Don't worry. Don't worry. Back. Don't, don't worry. Like you tap on the shoulder and go, don't worry, buddy. We got you. We got <laughs> just, you. Just do us a solid for one year and we'll bring you back. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be churn. And I think the nice thing is... We have three or four potential real studs in the offense that can step into those roles and take over. And it's not always great. It's not fun as a you know as a fan to watch a guy drafted in the first round and have your team tell you, yeah, this guy's two or three years from making it. But in reality, it's kind of awesome because we don't have a spot for him now. Mm. But in two or three years, we might. You're you know? planting the seed. Yeah. You're playing the long game. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Bach, I think, too, has the potential to be a, like a very good playmaker for us. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, I think he's. I think he'll be special. I hope he is because I like German players. And very handsome. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. Great hairline. Yes. Terrific flow. We got a question from uh, Justin. Uh, our 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 co-host of the Soccer Talk Wilds podcast. Find it on Apple, <laughs> except <laughs> don't because they're a pain in the ass and will not let us post it. But find it on Google Play for now and Apple eventually, and you know all that stuff. But yeah, he asked us who the player with the best flow was. So keep that in mind as you're going through this. Okay, if you if you will, Ian. Okay. Um, Alexi Torpchenko. Now this is going to be controversial. This is this is where we're starting the fires. I have Alexei Torchenko in the third tier, and you will not see Clem Coston in the third tier right now. What? (laughs) I... Sometimes when I get excited about a player, I try to erect barriers 
You tried to, you tried to do what? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, when I get excited about a player, nice. I don't have to try. It just happens. <laughs> Alexei Torchenko is special. Every time I've seen him, he, he wows me. Not just impresses me, he wows me. This guy is... Huge, I think. Um, I think he's like six four. Six four, which is big. That's a tank. Yeah, uh, the guy's a workhorse. He is six three two zero one, according to Elite Prospects, mm-hmm. which could be a little outdated. Uh, he was a fourth round pick in a in two thousand seventeen, and at the time, I think it was Bob McKenzie or somebody was like, "This guy could be a steal here." Uh, he played for the Guelph Storm in the OHL last year. Seventeen goals and sixty twenty six assists in 43 games you obviously want to see way more from an older age ohl player but then in the playoffs he had 13 goals and six assists uh in 24 games Uh, this guy takes the puck in a straight line right to the net and as you talked about here you're excited to see him in the ahl this season yeah we've i've read a number of different observations on him which all seem to say the exact same thing, and then they'll paint it good or bad. They'll say the guy is a, a workhorse. Whenever he's got the puck, he's taking it right to the net. Uh, he's getting in people's faces. He protects the puck really well, and then I'll see people kind of either paint it like almost as, well, that's really all he does. You know, he doesn't really have, he's not a real flashy player. The skating's fine. He's not like, I don't know, he's not banging body. He's not creating plays. He's just kind of this workhorse mm-hmm. and then i'll hear other people say and that's perfect that's what i want out of this guy and i kind of side with them where yeah you do want to see players that you draft have like a lot of skill and then you want to be able to say hey we can teach them to play hard but it is kind of nice every once in a while when you have a young guy coming up or you go you know what? we don't have to get in this guy's face and be like hey do you understand that you're gonna have to put a lot of effort in if you're gonna want to play at this level i feel like this guy understands that and his Game translates really well to a third, fourth line role already. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe he needs to be a little heavier. Sure, you can, I don't know, teach him when he can hang on to the puck and when he can't, sort of like what he can and can't get away with in the NHL. You're not going to be able to just plow through guys like Drew Doughty and stuff, you know, at the blue line and just, oh, that, that'll work for me every oh. time. Just, I'm yeah. sure Torv Trinko's big on Ope. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to sneak past Drew Doughty right there. But, uh, I also think that he could be a handful for other teams. And everything I've read has been that he is a guy to look out for because there's just no quit in them. Yeah. And I love seeing that, especially out of a fourth-round guy. Fourth round? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting this dude to have insane skill. I'm not expecting, like, oh, if he's good, he's got to be Nikita Kucherov then because he's got to be this insane find. If you get a guy that can contribute on your team as just, like, a down-in-the-dirt, in-the-paint player that's going to pop in a few goals here or there right out of, I don't know, if he pushes for a spot mm-hmm. this year. Well, I guess not this year, but maybe next year. That's awesome. You still need to turn those guys into your system as well. Mm-hmm. Hot tip from Craig Conroy. No one thought Alexi- or, uh, Clayton Keller deserved the money. 
No one, fresh from no, the lips. Of no Greg one thought that. I'm just reading over my notes because I knew I took some notes on uh, Alexei Torochenko, and you talked about his effort level. One of the first major plays he made, I think, may have been his only goal of the tournament, but he crashed from the boards in front of the net and made one of those plays where he's falling down in the crease but still manages to roof the puck in the net and score a goal. Uh, later, he beat out an icing and made another impressive hit and an impressive shot. He just even in a game that ended up being 6-2, 7-2, something like that, he was still hitting late in the game. The kid just wants it. And like you say, you can't you can't teach compete level. I know that's corny. I hate saying that because of what the NHL is and all the <laughs> stuff that they say. But you really can't. I mean, you can't make a guy work harder if they don't want to work. You mm. can't make Connor Blakely with all the skill that he probably has, want it anymore. If he's burned out on hockey, he's just burned out on hockey. And Torbchenko wants it. I think you can teach it, but you can't, that's the, yeah, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. You go, dude, just play it. You can play harder. (laughs) And I think, thank you. And I think that's one of the contrasts we'll see with Clem Costin here in a minute is that I don't think desire is is lacking for Costin, but consistency definitely is. Uh, Promman said Torpchenko didn't have a very productive regular season, but he turned it on during the OHL playoffs and in the MIM Cup, Memorial Cup. Uh, his toolkit is exciting to watch as a six foot three forward with good speed. He can protect pucks so well off rushes and turn defenders around frequently. I think it's fair to have some skepticism over the pro prospects of a player who didn't score a ton in junior, but I think Torpchenko is an exception, and I think he ranked him fifth or sixth in the prospect base. There's just as I was saying earlier, I, I want to say, pump the brakes, this guy's a fourth-round pick, don't get too excited. I just don't see, I don't see what, I don't, I don't, there's nothing here that I'm like, I don't think he has it. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have an amazing shot. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a 30-goal scorer. But could he, again, you know, I, not to use the same comparison again, but could he be like most of a Wayne Simmons, all of a Patrick Maroon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think he could, I mean, he's not going to, but he could jump up this year and provide what Patrick Maroon left behind mm. better, probably, than Maroon did. He's just, I just think he's really good, I don't know. I'm with you, I've, I've been high, I've been high on him since I heard his name, and then I was just <laughs> happy that he's been able to fill the skates of who I was at least half hoping he was. <laughs> Who I am, who he is, is who you wanted him to be, to quote the Reva theme, which is the second time I've done that this week. Do people not remember the Reva theme? Is that just me? No, I mean, I do, but I think we're both just not well people. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm very sickly, as you can tell by my blowing of my nose. Don't get me sick. uh, The rest of Tier 3 is two defensemen, Scott Perunovich. Uh, who was our 2018 second-round pick. He won, I think, another national championship, like his seventh with (laughs) uh, University of Minnesota Duluth last year, scoring three goals, 26 assists. They're very good. He decided to return to Minnesota Duluth rather than play in the AHL, which I didn't love, but I do understand. I don't think he has a lot more to prove at the college level. Uh, Perunovic had another successful season for Duluth, according to Prom, and driving its offense as a key reason for its back-to-back national championships. His offensive instincts are elite. Perunovic looks different with the puck 
than other offensive defensemen. He sees the ice extremely well and has the patience and creativity to make unique plays. His skating is very good with the ability to walk the line to open lanes and lead rushes. There's no denying his ability with the puck. Off the puck, he's just okay. He's not that big at five foot six. Five foot nine, excuse me, and while his skating allows him to make some stops, he's not a premier defender and didn't play on the penalty kill much last season. Kevin Shattenkirk is written all over this guy, <laughs> and while well, Shattenkirk was a righty, so that's yeah. so Vince Dunn, you know, but Dunn is better defensively, I think, but. Uh, this guy has gads of talent offensively. The Blues obviously wanted him badly when they drafted him. They had his jersey already printed with his name, whatever, burned on there. What's it called? Pressed on there. <laughs> you know, they burned the letters <laughs> on. They really brand those jerseys. Um, I haven't gotten to see a lot of Perunovic in person because he got hurt at the rookie camp. He hasn't come to Traverse City either time because he's a college player and college season starts already. Um, I'm going to try and pay attention to catch some of his games on TV this year mm-hmm. um, because I know Minnesota Duluth is a top college hockey team and they get a college hockey team <laughs> and they get on uh, the airwaves every once in a while. But, you know, is he a, is he a Colton Pareko? No. Is he a Alex Petrangelo? No. But does he have the potential to be not an Eric Carlson, but like a lighter Jacob Truba? Yeah, I think he could be a, a top four, probably probably second or third pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, On the power play. Power play yeah. quarterback type defenseman. And we, we need more power play help. <laughs> so... Um, I know this is a player we wanted, and I think I see why. Now, Mitch Reinke, who's the last of our Tier 3 guys, I think shocked everybody <laughs> last year to a certain extent. Uh, did we have him on the pyramid last year? We did. We had him a, We had him a tier down. This is Tier 3 we're in? Yeah, he was, he was a Tier, tier four. 4. Yep. Um, we signed him as a free agent out of Michigan Tech, and he's already played in the NHL. He made his debut right after he signed, and I think he's played that one game. Ah, um, uh, yes, the season that we didn't make the playoffs. Yes. I remember that. I was like, ooh, Mitch Renke, maybe he I will change when, our fortunes. I remember when Chris Butler was playing a lot. Um, <laughs> Justin does. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have Chris Butler play a lot? Me <laughs> butts playing high. Coming on through. Not, not doing it anymore because I'm retired, but that's what I did. I want a Stanley Cup, see butts. Um... <laughs> Mitch uh, Reinke did a a special thing this year with 12 goals and 33 assists, good for 45 points in 76 games for the San Antonio Rampage. He broke a franchise rookie defenseman scoring record set by Keith Yandel. So that's pretty high company. That's pretty good. Uh, I'd take a Keith Yandel signed for free as a college free agent. (laughs) Uh, Promen said Reinke was good as a rookie pro as the – was as good as a rookie pro as the Blues could have hoped for. Lots of as's in that sentence. Great job, uh, He was second in scoring for his AHL team and playing huge minutes. His coach said Reinke was often asked to check the opponent's best players on top of the points he brought. His sense and patience are high end. Reinke makes a ton of great plays on breakouts and inside the offensive zone. He has good mobility, but I found he has was hesitant to jump up into plays as much as he could with that sentence. He still brought a lot of offense to the table. He's not the biggest defenseman at 5'11", but that's the only real quibble I have in his game. 
which isn't a quibble. It's just a fact. <laughs> I hate that. The NHL, even Corey Proman, who you would think of as like a forward-thinking guy, still can't get over. Well, he's not 6'2". Yeah, he's 5'11 uh, every time Corey he gets Corey by the way, also at Traverse City, very much not 6'2". So suck it, Corey. So he would know. Uh, he would know. <laughs> I couldn't play defense. Um Mitch Reinke's a right-handed defenseman. He's our only Perfect. right-handed defenseman on the prospect pyramid, I think. Uh, is Nikola yeah. also? No. Who's, no. There's one other, I think, but maybe maybe Bork or somebody that we like literally didn't include. Maybe we lost Bork. I don't know. Um, yeah, what happened? We have through a couple people. Yeah, David Noel entered Bork. They missed entirely. Whatever. Well, well you know, What do exist. we think about them? Not much. Tiers six and fives, and they're gone. Um, if they weren't at Traverse City, I'd forgot them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Reinke and Perunovic, you have really good potential top four contributors at some point. I think Reinke has the potential, and we might have even talked about this when we were talking about the Edmonton signing, to play this year. I know you can move Bortuzzo and Gunnarsson, all these guys around, and they're fine playing on their, on their, uh, offside and everything, but... You get an injury or two. I think Mitch Ranky is right up there, and I would love that. I think it's always good to get some of those young guys that third pairing time because they get a they get a taste. They're not out there against your Sidney Crosby's or anything. They're getting you know third line guys out there, and you you just get a you get a little look at what the NHL is like. I know he's already played in a game or two, a game, but it would be great to see because I think Mitch Mitch Ranky's risen on our pyramid and he's risen on. Uh, the pyramid in my heart, you know. I'm gonna be even bolder than that. I oh. think Mitch Reinke makes the team out of camp. Oh shit, bitch! <laughs> Garrett, uh, Garrett, our friend Garrett, Traverse City Garrett, asked on Twitter who we thought uh, would mm, start the most games from the pyramid on the Blues, and I think it's Mitch Reinke. I could see him starting 50, 60 games for this team this year. And here's why. I think oh. we have Alex Petrangelo is very good. Uh, Colton Pareko is very, very good. Stanley Cup winners. Robert Bortuzzo, also Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup champion, yeah. winner. How can you replace that? Robert Bortuzzo, it, listen, I'm fine with the contract. I'm great. Do you want Robert Bortuzzo starting 82 games for this team? Do you want him to even be in the running for starting oh, no, 82 games? So who's next? Who's our other right-handed defenseman? It's the, Mitch Reinke. Yeah, the, be, the best Mitch in the NHL. <laughs> the only one on a contract. Yeah, the only so. one that matters. Um, oh, please make this team Mitch. Uh, I need to oh talk boy. more about just Mitches. Uh, <laughs> Mitches be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Pink Whitney. It's finally kicked in. You know how alcohol takes an hour to hit you? Not a big deal. Um... But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm being hot takey for the purpose of being hot takey a little bit. But I think Edmondson, you know, you know, you're four on the left side. Usually, you wouldn't carry eight defensemen, mm. but if I make think we might. Or I think we trade. If we trade Edmondson, I really think it's specifically because we're ready to see Ranky at the NHL. I think he could quarterback a second power play unit. 
It'll never happen. I saw him in Traverse City. He was the other guy who was just consistently good the whole time. He looks mm-hmm. mature. He looks ready. He's not young for a prospect. What's he, 23 or 4 probably? Because yeah, if he's just out of college. He graduated, yeah, two years ago now. So I believe you that he looked good. He's 96, birth year. Um, so he is, I'm bad at math, 23. 23, yeah. 23. Uh, he'll be 24 in this season. He set a rookie scoring record in AHL last year. He doesn't have anything to prove down there. And I'm not just saying, well, he looked pretty good at Traverse City, so I'm making my hot take. I'm, I'm looking at this team right now. Did he look good compared to the rest of the D there? Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't fucking insult River Rimshaw in my, in my territory. River Rimshaw scored the game winner against uh is that Colorado. a real person? River Rimshaw, yes. It oh, Rimshaw, okay. His yeah. name's not River Rimshaw. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sign that man to a contract. <laughs> um, but I really think I'm looking at this team. Mitch Reinke, to me, I could see them looking at him as... And not every day, but a lot of days, right-handed defenseman and kind of have the rookie season the. Vince Dunn had two years ago where you weren't really talking about him, mm-hmm. and suddenly he's on the team, and not only is he on the team, but he's playing most games. I think that would be my guess. If I had to say who do I think makes this team and has the biggest impact as a rookie, other than the obvious Jordan Cairo that I hope happens, I think Reinke's got a really good shot. Yeah, I'd agree. Um so we'll see. That'll be interesting. Uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to the solid, the top nine. Uh, we've got Eric Foley kicking us off. Listen, he's part of the Paul Stastny trade in 2015, round three pick, 78th overall. He's a left winger. Uh, he got a concussion, Traverse City, last year and never played again. He's on the roster for training camp. Hopefully that means he's finally good mm-hmm. to go. God only knows. Uh Promen says, when Foley is healthy, he looks like a player tracking to be a bottom six forward in the NHL. In college, he showed high skill and compete levels. His skating was decent, albeit not a burner. He had the tools to score and win uh, wins pucks versus pros. However, he missed the entire season due to a concussion. I, I don't think we need to say much more about Eric mm. Foley. If he's healthy, he's kind of a blank slate to me. Who knows? Mm. We'll see if he is everything he once was. If if he becomes timid because of the concussion, he doesn't have a pro career. That's yeah. and that sucks. I don't want that to be the case, but he needs to be physical and aggressive and confident. And if he's not those things, that's the part of his game that makes him a potential pro player. Yeah, so agreed. Yeah, more to say about him. I just hope he's I I just hope he's healthy, period, but obviously healthy enough to play hockey. Yeah. Um he was promising when he was healthy, so yeah. Yeah. Hope he, hope he is. Absolutely. Uh, Quim Costin, this is our controversial pick. People are going to be angry at us. I'm sorry. He's on, on the not. fourth. He's on the fourth tier. He has. He could bounce up to tier two this year. I'm not kidding. Like He, he could totally make us he has look like idiots. He has all the tools. He has all the tools, As 100%. And at times in Traverse City this year, we saw those. He looked great in game three and four. He looked really unnoticeable in game one and two, which is kind of the problem with Clem Costin. Uh, he's great at protecting the puck. He tries less fancy stuff like trying to dangle through two defensemen, uh, and now he knows how to carry the puck deep into the opposing zone to create chances for him and his teammates. Notes you got from hockey HF boards or something? Yeah. Um, 
he had uh, a stop and go season in Traverse or in Traverse City in San Antonio last year. Um, he finished. I'm trying to look it up right now. He finished with 24 points in 66 games and 102 penalty minutes. He was a minus 28. But he looked incredible in the World Juniors and had all those controversial moments and was oh, a yeah. rock star and a powder keg and everything you want him to be. And that's kind of what Promen said. He said he's a tough player to evaluate. He's been just fine in the AHL as a teenager, a useful player, but not a top one. Internationally, he's looked fantastic. I've been a big believer in this player for years and still believe in his toolkit. Everything about his skill set points to the NHL. He's a six foot three forward with above average speed and puck skills. He can play a soft skill game or a hard physical one in front of the net. You gotta love players who can be soft and get hard. <laughs> you really have to love That's those ability. Kind of players. You would like to to see him show up more consistently at the AHL level, and it's a concern, but I'm betting on him figuring things out. Here's the thing. With Costin, he needs to be more consistent. He obviously desperately wants to be in the NHL. If he wants to get there, he's got to be more consistent. He can't get frustrated as easily as he does. He can't lose confidence as easily as he does. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it's kind. Of, it feels like it's a little bit of a race right now where it's like, does he... Show enough for the team to give him a chance at some point, or does he consider jumping ship and going back to the KHL at some point? And I think that's a real concern, mm-hmm. only because I don't think he's particularly close right now. Sorry for kicking your feet there. Ow. Um, I th- I think probably he gets a shot in the NHL this year at some point, if for no other reason that the than that the team wants to say hey. You're doing all the right things, which we, you know, or we you know, hey, we want you up here. Like this is your, this is what it's like. You just have to put in the work. But he, it's on him, man. I don't. I want Costin to be a star. We all love him. We said we've always. I fear with Costin, it's going to be that thing of like, well, these guys don't like Costin because even from the very beginning, we were the ones who were like, well, pump the brakes. He's not making the roster out of camp. Mm. You know, he's he's probably a year plus off. Um, I don't want it to seem like we're the hate Quim Costin guys. We're not, I don't think, unless you are. <laughs> no, but I still think it's just pumped the brakes yeah. because we had people even last year being like, well, just bring up Quim Costin. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And this is coming from someone who hasn't really watched him play that much, but from listening to and reading him from people that have watched him play extensively or whatever, it just, like you said, inconsistency doesn't really have... Um, the the perfect drive to be mm-hmm. making in the NHL just yet. And so I think some people see that he was drafted 31st and he was drafted in the first round and that people are like, oh, this could be, this was talked about as like, you know, the steal of the first round. It was such a great pick. And then, and that's fine. And I agree. But at the same time, that's all, that's kind of where the buck stops with some people. They go, he's supposed to be really good. Just bring him up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, but stuff has happened since then. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and I think we've been really spoiled as as NHL fans in St. Louis because our team has drafted really well, and what mm. that's mean is meant is guys like Robbie Fabry and Robert Thomas, who are late first round picks, are mm. making the team in a year or two. Yep. I think a year for both of those guys. Tage Thompson did in like a year and a half. I think he made mm. it after his. Second. Probably too soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, probably, but like I, we've seen a lot of that, and so I think people forget that like 
late first rounders often take two or three years and that's not the end of the world. And Mm -hmm. so I think when with cost and people are getting anxious for the wrong reason where there's in their head, they're like, well, he, he's a, you know, he was a first round pick. All the, everybody said he was a steal that late in the draft. Yeah. And it's been two years now. Why isn't the team giving him a chance? And instead they should be saying it's been two years now. Why hasn't he earned the chance? Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think he'll get there. I, I still have hope. I still have a lot of faith. I think I put him down in this tier, and we talked about these rankings together beforehand. You felt comfortable with this too, right? I think I think we put him here because it's just foggy right now. It's just kind of an icky, like you don't... I have zero questions that Alexei Torovchenko will make the NHL and mm-hmm. be a decent player. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, like I said, a Pat Maroon or a Wayne Simmons. Is he going to be a 20-30 goal guy, super physical top six power player, or is he going to be a third liner who hits and plays a strong yeah. game? I don't know. But I think he's going to make the NHL. Costin, I think, will make it at some point, but does he have the staying power and the consistency? That's my concern right now. I hope I'm wrong. I think of all the people, and I guess it makes sense because he's like dead center in this pyramid in terms of like the tiers and everything, mm-hmm. too. He's like the biggest coin flip for yeah. me. If he made it in the NHL and had like a pretty decent career, mm-hmm. I'd be like, of course, he'd, of course. And if he, I don't think he's as close to this, but if he was just kind of a bust and you know, never quite did anything in the NHL and jumped chip to the KHL, I'd also be like, yeah, of course, (laughs) at this point. You know what I mean? And we talked about earlier, like, if he hadn't had that shoulder injury in his draft year, he'd have been a top-ten pick. He'd probably already be in the league. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't be a blue. And we wouldn't, you know, we don't know. But Mm -hmm. that happened, and now we got to adjust. So uh, speaking of adjusting, we should pick up the tempo (laughs) a little bit because we've got half a pyramid to go, but... The later tiers, we can talk less about people. Mm-hmm. Um, next on the list is Tyler Tucker, the left-handed defenseman from the Barry Colts of the OHL. Could you look up his point total this year? Because I know it spiked. Um, Tyler Tucker was a seventh-round pick. He was the 200th pick in 2018. And I remember Bill Armstrong was really excited about Tyler Tucker because he threw the body around and hit like a truck. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing. It's like he's going to be physical. He's going to be gritty. Maybe he can be a seventh defenseman someday and be the kind of player you bring in when you need you know, that emotional lift, that physical player. But then... He friggin' broke out in the OHL this year. It's loading. Um, and he had a ton of points. We'll get it for you in a moment. He um, had, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> right? And 68 games played for the Barry Colts. He had 14 goals and 45 assists yeah. for 59 points. Yeah. He also had 105 penalty minutes. Right, well... That's, cool. Yeah. That seems to be what he was at least advertised as, the exactly. penalty minutes at least. Um, Tucker, a seventh-round pick last summer by the Blues, saw his role elevated with a light Barry Colts squad and was one of the top-scoring defensemen in the OHL. OHL. Uh, we told teams last season this was a guy they needed to know about. He's big, he's strong on his checks, he can skate, he just never got offensive opportunities because of older guys in front of him. Now he's getting these opportunities and putting up numbers, Barry coach Dale Howartruck, who knows a thing Ooh. or two, said. Uh, there are some scouts who, despite the points, are still skeptical, skeptical of Tucker's puck game and whether the offense will translate. I share some of that concern, says Pronman, uh, but I think it could be good enough for a 
third pair defenseman, which if you get that out of a seventh round pick oh, yeah. is friggin' gravy. But I think, you know, I I think that's what we can say about Tyler Tucker right now. He's got another year in the OHL. The boys will have to offer him a contract after that season. He'll move to the AHL. No one's expecting big things in the NHL from Tyler Tucker very soon, but I think we saw a great jump from him last year, and I think mm-hmm. he maybe moved up a tier. Um, maybe he didn't, but... Uh, he might have had him in, like, the sixth tier. Yeah, he could have been sixth or fifth last year, and he uh, has the chance, I think, to be a NHL player at some point, which for any seventh-round pick is... Saying something. Speaking of late picks that uh, we almost skipped over, but I caught him. Good job. Thank you. Um, Nico Mikola was a fifth-round pick in 2015, uh, and he's also a left-handed defenseman. Corey Promham ranked him as our eighth-best prospect and called him our last, quote, legit NHL prospect, legit. which would be, what, his Tier 3 relative That's to like, what ours are? I don't know. We had um, to run the metrics. He says the argument on Mikola is simple. He's six foot four. He's a great skater and is hard to play against. When he's skating out the ice with the puck, he immediately draws your eye because of his size and speed. Not even his biggest advocates will be under the illusion his game has much offense, as he scored nine points all season in the AHL. Uh, he was one of Finland's best player at the Worlds and a big reason why they won gold because of his offense or defense, and his ability to occasionally jump up offensively, which does seem to counteract what he literally just (laughs) said. Um, But, yeah, Mikola is a guy I think we could see in the NHL this year, too. We thought that last year, I think. Mm. So any time now he could potentially jump. There's obviously a log jam on the left right now, Um, but an injury or two there, and you could see Nikola, Nikola, Nico Mikola, Rikola make the jump. Uh, what do you think about Mikola before we move on? I think I always saw the comparison just from last year, too, that it was like Joel Edmondson mixed with Jay Bo Meester. And if that combines two things together, you know that, yes, he has no offense, but he's tall and lanky I, and can hit. I don't think I realized he was such a great skater either, which mm. is. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's great. Uh, yeah, he is one of those guys that's like a shoe-in for a third pairing. Yeah. Like, and that's, but hey, you need those that's guys. Ty- that's totally fine as a round five pick. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see him up here. Penalty killer, too, probably. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, Joel Hofer, one of our many, many goaltenders, Villy Huso. Let's start with Villy Huso. <laughs> Apparently, I can <laughs> only every read other. every other name. Uh, I'll start reading the board so I remember who's where. Uh, Billy Huso had just a dreadful year last year. He was a Tier 3 last year. Uh, he had 367 goals against average, an 871 save oh, percentage, and 27 starts with the Rampage. He had lots of injuries to cope with, as well as the Rampage as a team's dreadful start, and he just never got off the ground. Uh, he's healthy now, but he's got no backup. Bennington's not going to like take over the AHL job on route to the NHL job. Evan Fitzpatrick, I think, is going to start in the ECHL and be the everyday guy with the Oilers. So Bennington's in the or Huso is in the clear, and it's a put up or shut up season for him. He's got all the track record of a lot of the great Finnish goalies. He's, goalies are notoriously 
wacky developers. We saw what happened with Jordan Bennington. I'm not giving up on Billy Huso, uh, and neither is Corey Prom. Mm-hmm. And he said he has a long track record of success. So despite the rough campaign, there's still hope for him as a prospect because of that track record and his skill set. Uh, but we need to see it from Huso this year. And if we do, we could potentially trade Allen and make him Bennington's backup next year. Or even if he's really good, we could do that at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the time being, he's just got to prove it. You know? Yeah, Bennington has proven to me that uh, any goalie... Yeah, you can literally you can never write off a goalie. Them. You yeah. literally can't. They're just mu- they're just a random they're uh, RNG machine. It's like, all right, let's see. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, Joel Hofer is a goalie I got a chance to see at Traverse City. Uh, he had a really f- awful first start there, but he followed it up with a pretty decent second start. He's tall. He's six foot four, one hundred and sixty one pounds, and I think he has really good vision of the puck. Uh, he typically takes pretty good angles. He's not good at rebound control yet, mm. which is a very Jake Allen thing <laughs> to say, but he is generally very good at knowing where the rebounds go. <laughs> that's, uh, that's he good, did do least. a couple he did do a couple of the Halak look over the shoulders, you know, oh, the, God. over the shoulder. But uh he is generally, you know, he'll give up the rebound, but he'll be looking right at it. He'll stay squared to it. Uh, and a lot of times he'll take care of the second opportunity. That is your very casual scouting report. I'm best at scouting goalies, so I will say that. But uh, mostly because I know where they are all the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Perfect. I was a street hockey goalie, so I know what it takes. Uh, he On the played. Main streets. Yeah, exactly. He started the season with the feckless and woeful Swift Current Broncos, where he put up a, a fairly respectable 904 save, uh, save percentage, considering he was probably facing 30, 40 shots a game, and a 402 goals against average. If your GAA is above four and your save percentage is still above nine, your team is broken. <laughs> um, yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> Even for juniors, yeah. not good. No, especially, yeah, not not good at all. He got traded midseason to the Portland Winterhawks, who were a competitive team, uh, and he started 18 games there, had a much better 318 uh, goals against average, and improved his save percentage to 911. He made one pretty bad start in the AHL but who cares? Um, he is going to have another year with the Winterhawks this year, I think. How old is he? Is he uh, 20? Is He's 19. He's still a teenager, so he should have another year with the uh, Winterhawks. And he'll develop there, and I think that's what we can say. He's a fine player getting much bigger workload than he did. Uh, Promen said he's an interesting prospect. He's tall and has good athleticism and hockey sense. Some days he looks like a quiet walking style goalie, and others he's flying around the crease making athletic saves. Ooh, athleticism. I hate it. Yes. Uh, he would, had. I saw some games where he wasn't at his best and some other games where I thought he was brilliant. And that's what he looked like in Traverse City. Uh, let's round out Tier 3, 4, Tier 4 with Nikita. It's always hard because there's nobody in Tier 1, yeah. so I always want to say Tier 3. Nikita Alexandrov is the newcomer. Uh, Alexandrov had a great season in the queue, says Promen, becoming an all-situation center for Charlottetown and a consistent offensive threat. A very smart center who makes high-level plays and is creative pra- passer. He can run a power play off the flank 
With his skill and vision, Alexandrov also has a great shot, and if he is given space, he can pick a corner. Uh, with more strength on his frame, his speed and ability to win battles should impress, uh, improve. He impressed me for the most yeah. part at Traverse City. He had one really good goal on a one-timer on the power play that demonstrated that shot. Did he play center there? Yes, I okay. believe so. I don't know if I... I don't know. I didn't pay super close attention. so I know sometimes they move them around, so I was yeah, just curious. I think he probably did a little of both. Um, but yeah, I think he played mostly center. Uh, he's a left-handed shot. He had 61 points in 64 games in Charlottetown. Anybody can score in the QMJHL. In uh, fact, only 60 points. 20, yeah, that's <laughs> not right. very not good. Great. 27 of those were goals. We'll see. He'll need another year before we have a better idea of what he is, but I think he'll make, you know, he'll be an NHL player at some point and mm-hmm. could be a pretty good one depending on how he develops. Let's move into the serviceable tier where we can move a little faster, uh, even though there are a lot of names here. Austin Pagansky gets us started. He was the captain of the uh, North Dakota Fighting Sioux. They're not the Fighting They're Sioux not anymore, that anymore, then. What are they? Just I don't know. the Warriors or something. Oh, God, that could be racist, um, too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. University of North Hawks. Dakota mascot. They are the, this says Fighting Sioux, that's a lot, Fighting Hawks, you're right. Fighting oh Hawks. man, good for me. Fighting Hawks, good call, good call, good call. Um, but is that a reference to Tomahawk? Yeah. If so, is it still racist? It um, is, yes and yes. Yes and yes, that is a hard yes and a hard yes. You are banned. Uh, <laughs> He had 31 points in 59 games with a rampage last year and has a chance, I think, to develop into a low-tier power forward, bottom six physical guy. Um, he plays hard in front of the net and has a six-foot-two frame. Pagansky is psych scouts who see him as a potential power <laughs> forward in the NHL. The offensive touch isn't high-end, though, and his skating is average. He, has, uh, he did play a ton on the penalty kill last season, showing he can be versatile, says Pronman. Thoughts on Austin Pagansky? Um, I Pass. like the name, but I'd, 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 he's probably going to be an AHL guy. Yeah. Just too many people above him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this point, that's yeah. kind of what this turns into. He could be your deep throw-in in some trade. Yeah. You're probably right. Matthias Laferriere is a guy I'm a little more interested in. He was a sixth-round pick. Uh, in 2018, and I remember when he was drafted, the analysts saying he was a very boomer bust kind of pick because he had tons of skill but lots of inconsistency. He displayed that tons of skill with 74 points in 68 seasons the last season. But oh, Ian, he's in the queue. Ah, uh, so and what does that mean? Man, I mean, uh, points just grow on trees. Stick <laughs> just floats and gets 20 points. Yeah. If you if you drop your stick on the ice. In the QMJHL, it'll have a hat trick by the yeah, end of the shift. They pay you to take the <laughs> points. <laughs> uh, he had 10 more in 11 playoff games. Um, Promen called him one of Cape Breton's top players, and hey, he said he's got a hard shot and scored several goals uh, from distance. LaFerriere to me is one of those guys who's like your prototypical QMJHL player, skill out the butt. Uh, mm. not a lot of consistency. I don't want to say not a lot of hockey IQ, but not a lot of hockey IQ. Uh, but I think he he offers a little more to me. He he holds a little more promise than a lot of guys mm. uh, at that 
kind of level. And I think, you know, he's another guy that we'll see after this year. He he needs to be has offered his contract after this year, too, and we'll just sort of see. Yeah, uh, it's like you said, boomer bust. And I'm at a second when you're drafting in the sixth round. I'm fine with that, mm-hmm. but it's it's interesting. I find I find guys with skill but inconsistency at those lower levels would be really interesting because you could get a guy when yeah. they have that much skill that really that really does boom. You could get a not that he's anything like this, but that you could get a Pavel Datsuk or something yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you it's heard it here first. Matthias Laferriere yeah. is Pavel Datsuk. Anything okay. else, and uh, Bill Armstrong should be fired. In 20 years, the Houston Coyotes will have his contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dakota Joshua was originally a fifth-round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Blues play had traded, I think, future considerations for, for him earlier in the season because he was a, a college free agent that the Maple Leafs weren't going to be able to sign. Oh, okay. Um, that makes a little more sense. So, how do you feel as a player when you're like, who do I get traded for? And you're like, oh... Did they not say? Did they yeah, not they didn't you? say. It's, uh, <laughs> and I can't tell you either. We don't know. I won't tell you. His initials are S C, and he's like, uh, I don't know. Football club. <laughs> Frederico. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, he. You had these notes from Hockey DV. He's a shifty player who knows how to manipulate the off- opposition's defenseman. He looks to be a decent playmaker along the boards, and here. <laughs> Is the big thing, the big takeaway about Dakota Joshua Ooh, from uh-oh. Traverse City. If you've been looking, searching high and low, desperately hoping for a replacement to Magnus Payarvi oh, in yes. the Loves His Wraparound department, you have it. You have it, ladies and gentlemen, in Dakota Joshua. He's bad. I saw him try 70 of those in Traverse <laughs> City, and precisely zero of them worked. But It worked one time, he, he because tried. that's why it does Yeah, that. That, it still does it. Oh, my God. That's um, who I, would, I make fun of these people, but that's who I would be. If sure. I was like a guy that just good enough to play kind of it pro is, hockey, I'm like, this worked before. I gotta. Yeah, keep, I gotta it is go to that weird well how guys like, like the the Avalanche had the defenseman Samuel Gerrard, and he's like notorious for the spin move he does. Mm-hmm. And it's weird how like even at the very highest level of hockey, a guy can have a signature move <laughs> like it's WWE. You know, he hit him. He hit him with the spin move. Good God Almighty! I don't know, Magnus, uh, where are you going? No, just wait. He's gonna come around the other end, and he's gonna oh, bet he's the goalie's not gonna, is not gonna be shit. there. Uh, but he always he's will. Always there. <laughs> uh, Joshua was up and down through his four years at Ohio State. His toolkit is interesting. He's 6'3 and has above average skill. Um, he His consistency and compete level worries scouts, though, Promen says. Obviously, this is a player I think the boys saw something in because they traded for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he's an AHL body this year and probably in perpetuity. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? I hope he's great. I hope all these guys are great. But we're, I hope they all make it. Yeah, but we're at the second end of this period. Uh, Mackenzie McEachern is next. He was a real arguable, maybe don't include him, do include him kind of guy. The 2012 third round pick, 67th overall, which would make him like 25 now, I would think. Something around mm-hmm. there. Um, which, you know, I think we just know what Mackenzie McEachern is now. And 
He's like your typical sort of fourth line energy guy mm-hmm. with some skill upside, like your Scotty Upshaw when he was with the Blues, you know, kind of guy. And I don't know what else there is to say about. Yeah, him. he's got he's got some skill in him, and you're right. That's kind of like Scotty Upshaw. Um, I remember watching a game he where is he twenty five. Oh, nice! Watched a game where he sniped uh, Carey Price. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy cow, I guess uh, you're amazing. And, uh, <laughs> from that point on. Yeah, I think we forget that all of these guys are like elite hockey players like, in the world yeah. sense, you know? So like, yeah, it's exactly. Occasionally they can just pull something crazy off. <laughs> yeah, like Mackenzie McEachern would blow by like generally. If you invited Mackenzie McEachern to your beer league, he would be. Ten times better than the best player in your Yeah, he would look like Sidney Crosby playing against Turtles. <laughs> right. Like, it'd just be like, holy shit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about him? Do you have any... He, I mean, he might be added to the Wheel of Bodies, you oh, know? Oh, sure. I think he is. For I think us, he's officially I mean, he's pretty much it. there. He's, on, he's in our Stanley Cup uh, photo there with the go. Stanley Cup, hey. so you made it. Just like Mitch Renke's hey, there. Oh, you made it. Yeah, exactly. Um... Kian Washkarak was our fifth round pick this year at the very bottom of the fifth round, 2019. Uh, center out of the Mississauga Steelheads. I don't know if Kian Washkarak will make the NHL. What I do know is that if he does make the NHL, St. Louis fans will fucking love this kid. Oh, no. He is a psychopath. (laughs) He is a real, real crazy person. (laughs) And I love it. He got double minors in each of the first two games and had a fighting major, which means he had at least 13 penalty minutes in two Traverse City games. A highlight of the entire tournament was where in this very small arena with Bleak very close to the ice, you could hear Kian Washkarak shout out loud, very loud, you're fucking trash to a Maple <laughs> Leafs player who refused to fight him. Uh, Ian McClellan, who is the Blues OHL scout, talked to Garrett for a minute and said, Kian Washkarak is a St. Louis Blues type of player. He's got hockey sense and he's gritty. Uh, <laughs> he's not gritty like the mascot yeah. gritty, but he's gritty. Uh, he is an OHL OHL player who I think OHL coaches voted as like the hardest worker in the league. Um, he got a goal driving hard to the net in the second game before he got the Dover minor uh, for high sticking uh, in that game. This is a guy that reminds me a lot of like a young, uh, a good, in other words, Vladimir Saboka, where he's just friggin' all over the place and you don't know what size he is. I don't eat, I really don't know what size <laughs> he is, honestly. I think he's probably smaller. But um you know, he had another he had another fight later in the later in the series where he pummeled Riley McKay of the of the Blackhawks. Well, that's you know good. people yeah. love him beating up a Blackhawk. He's just He's the kind of player he hustled back. It's just if he makes the league, Blues fans are gonna fall head over heels for this kid. He's that kind of a workhorse, absolute like blue collar little guy with gumption. Every stereotype cliche in the book. They'll also pronounce his name Keenan. 
Oh, Keenan Washkirk. Yes. Absolutely. Off a of farty far. Oh, yes. Or Warshkirk. Oh, oh, my no, God. They will. Oh, my God. He's a Blues Hall of Famer. He has to be. Oh, he has God. to be. Oh, my God. Keenan Warshkirk coming to an NHL rink near you in 2022. Book it. Uh, Hugh McGing is a favorite of the podcast. Uh, and <laughs> <I'm> moving on. <laughs> that's all we have to say about him. Uh, Hugh McGing is also the personification of a little guy with gumption, even more so than Kian Washkarak, because he's 5'9", 174, and I think 5'9 is generous. He had 30 points in 37 games as an alternate captain for the Western Michigan University Broncos last year. Uh, Prominent said McGing had a solid junior season as one of the better forwards in his conference. He plays the game like a ball of energy. He's a very good skater with a compete level that's just as good. He pressures four checkers, hits hard even at 5'8", and his speed, uh, with his speed, he turns defenders around constantly. McGing's skill will never dazzle, but he can make one-on-one plays and has some offense in him, including a very good shot. His pro projection will depend on if he can become a bottom six energy penalty kill type who can score just enough. And I think he probably can. I really like him. His speed is very noticeable in the chances I've gotten to see him. I've really fallen in love with him. Uh, and I I think all, I, I wish all the best for him. I think college to me is the best path to becoming that kind of a player because you just get yeah you get more physical you're playing older people longer more experience i just think that's your best best path and i think mcging's on it and he'll also be a player that blues fans will love uh jake wallman (laughs) that's what i think about jake wallman give me your thoughts Jake Wallman made the NHL two years ago, except it wasn't Jake Wallman. It was Vince Dunn. Whoops. Whoopsie. Uh, 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 <laughs> Vince Dunn put his name in the goblet of fire, and fucking <laughs> Doug Armstrong was like, Vince Dunn, get the fuck up here. What you the put your name happened? in the goblet of fire, Vince. Um, yeah, yeah, I and, think that's accurate. And Jake Wallman is uh, the Hufflepuff guy that died. Cedric Dickery. Yep, sorry, Jake. You're welcome. Uh, 13 points in 66 games in the Rampage last year. I thought this guy was supposed to be your offensive defenseman type, but that's not an offensive defenseman. It's offensive, but it's not an offensive <laughs> defenseman. Uh, Promman said he had a fine year after a tumultuous first pro season uh, that saw him play for multiple AHL teams. That's our yeah, fault. That's, yeah, our bad. Uh, he can be an exciting player to watch on a given shift. Uh, he's a high-end skater and has a skill and a booming shot. He does have a booming shot. That is true. That thing is a rocket. Um, there are some inconsistencies in this game, particularly in the defensive end. He can be a bit risky with the puck, too. One thing we're working on with Wallman uh, to make him an NHL defenseman is utilizing his size and skating defend, to defend better and take away space from opposing forwards. I don't see the path to Wallman being an NHL player in the Blues. I think Garrett likes him more than I do, so I will shout out Garrett and say that if he's right, congratulations, Garrett. We will buy you a Two Guys One Cup shot glass <laughs> um, for all the alcohol he barely drinks or doesn't drink. So, oh, he'll real bad choice. New Pink Whitney yeah, vodka. I love Pink Whitney after our rousing endorsement. Wow, it is vodka. It is. It is very much vodka. Do you have more thoughts on Jake Wallman? I think this dude's a trade piece. I yeah. think he's in a trade. It's it's Edmondson Wallman and a third for whoever you want. 
<laughs> anyway, Literally, just anyone. name a player. Anyone that's the new that's Jesse the new throwaway. Pugliari. He's the new Dagostini Ratty in a third. Oh, okay. So, so you also won't actually ever be traded. He's just we'll just talk about it. I yeah. like it. Um, Andreas Borgman, we traded for Jake. We traded Jordan Schmaltz uh, and signed him. Or he was signed as a free agent out of Sweden in 2017. Argue we shouldn't be on here because he played half a season in the NHL two years ago, but he was injured all last year. And our best scouting report comes from Steve Dangle because Corey Promen didn't talk about him. <laughs> Dangle said, Borman's got a superhero body and could probably switch to professional wrestling if he wanted. He can hit and skate. Plenty of raw tools to like. Guy just can't avoid injuries. Bummed he didn't work out here. He was a good bet coming out of Sweden. Take care of him, St. Louis. And take care of him we shall. I think I also don't know why we traded for Andreas Borgman if we plan to keep all four of our current left-handed defensemen. The mystery continues to be. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on Andreas Borgman? He's very handsome. Yeah, he is. He's, he's got a superhero bod, like I mentioned. God it's bod. very good. He's very in shape. Yes. Uh, I liked what I saw of him when he was with the Maple Leafs and played us. I think I saw a game almost like two years ago that he was in. I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Hot dog. There you go. That's a real scouting report from Ian Peters. I saw him. I was three beers in. He looked great. (laughs) I was a little turned on, if I'm being honest. We round out the fifth tier and most of the prospect pyramid because we'll barely talk about the bottoms. Five guys could screw them. Uh, with Colton Ellis, two two goalies. Colton Ellis, uh, goaltender we picked this year with the 2019 third round pick, because uh, that's what this year is. And <laughs> Promen said he was a very good goalie and the a very solid goalie in the QMJHL for the past two seasons. It was an important part of Ramuski's long playoff run. He can get to pucks most goalies can't. He has powerful legs and his push offs let him get across the crease very quickly. He anticipate plays anticipates plays fine, but. I find there's a lot of extra movement in this game. Uh, while with Ellis, while Ellis moves very quickly, it always feels like he's moving too much and not tracking pucks as well as he could. He Jake looked Allen. pretty good at times in the uh, Traverse City tournament. But he did you is, have to do double takes where you're like, "Who is this?" And that I feel like I've seen this <laughs> before. It's Jake Allen. <laughs> yes, all the time. Um, he is a young goal, young goalie who's already played a lot. In the QMJHL, he is drafted in the third round, so you will see him win the Blues of Stanley Cup in 2026. Yeah. Uh, after first. only after he's become a total afterthought. Yeah. Uh, Evan Fitzpatrick is my goalie of choice in the wheel of bodies. That is the Blues goaltending uh, wheel of bodies, but he seems to have been. Kind of overlooked this year. He He's played your Jordan Bennington. poorly in the ECHL last year, really poorly. Um, he's 6'3", 205. He's just 21. There's a lot to like in his game, and I just think we need to wait for more. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. He'll should, he should start the year in Tulsa and get – that should be his role this year to just prove himself. And so hopefully that will be enough, and he will get a chance. 
and that's what I'll say. That's all. And we'll see. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say. That's you can't say. push me for more info. Philip Helt was a seventh round pick. This is the long Hold shots. On. Yeah, we were in the bottom yeah, rung. We we're in the scrubs and meh and long shots category. Do you have anything else to say about anyone? Hmm. Okay. Philip Helt was a seventh round pick in 2016. He's a left wing out of some strange, not super central hockey country in Europe, I believe. Let's Czech, speculate wildly. Czech Republic? I think you're 100% right. Um, <laughs> and uh, the he will no longer be a uh, St. Louis Blues prospect if they don't tender him a contract until after this season. And so he will no longer be a St. Louis Blues prospect after this season. I just don't. I haven't heard anything about him. He's a seventh-round pick. He'll go play in Europe. Uh, Nikolai Craig Christensen Promman did at least talk about him a little bit. His toolkit is very interesting as a six-foot-three forward with some skill and speed. But I need to see him get it done versus real competition. He also is in the final year where the Blues contender him a contract. He was a 2016 seventh-round pick, and I don't expect them to. Uh, Tanner Kaspik was the captain, I believe, of the Brandon Wheat Kings at one Ooh, point. Yeah. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016 and is 119th pick overall in that draft. He was injured in Traverse City, had an upper body injury, potentially a concussion, so watch for that. If there's a player in this tier who I expect could break out and push to be more, it's probably Tanner Kaspik, but I still think he's got just such a huge hill to climb uh, to ever make it to a real NHL role uh, that I just don't see how he does it, particularly in this organization where Mm -hmm. it's so loaded. He's 21. He had eight points in 46 games in the AHL last year. I just... I don't, I don't know what the path is. And then uh, Jeremy Michelle and Vadim Jarenko were our final two picks in this last year's draft at 217 and 208, respectively. Jarenko is uh, an athletic Russian goalie that we don't know a lot about, and Michelle is a QMJHL forward that scored uh, an unimpressive amount of points, especially for the QMJHL last year, and we'll wait and see. Uh, that's... What that's about- what about Bork and and Noel? Yeah, Trenton Bork and David Noel, whom we forgot to include entirely because they're we're the, sloppy. They're the Buffalo uh, Sabres. But at least we didn't say a Tier 3 prospect was a defenseman like Dangle did when yeah. he was a forward. So we've got that up on us. Um, Bork and Noel. They're in the ether. Noel could be something. Bork, I don't think, has much of a chance to be anything. I would have put Noel in the, in the fifth, fifth maybe, tier. Yeah. Bork would have been sixth. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's you got it. You got the full. Picture. You have more thoughts. Um, you know what did Promman rank us? Nineteenth. Nineteenth. Nin- After winning a Stanley Cup, he ranked us nineteenth. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's that bad. No. I would. I'm, I think the obvious thing I would want more than anything is to get yes an elite prospect, or just start filling out maybe the second and third tiers a little bit more. But we don't. The way this team looks right now, we don't need to. Mm-hmm. And it does make I do enjoy the fact that we still have our first round pick this upcoming season. Um, Here's the thing. Here, I think we could easily graduate some people while also filling out this pyramid even more so in the next year. I think this is a pyramid that is still loaded with a lot of good top talent. Mm-hmm. Kairu is camp 
large, I mean, can't miss. Yeah. I know there are people out there that still think he's tie ratty. He's not friggin' tie ratty. That's not even a comparison between the two. <laughs> not a comparison. Uh, Bach is, I think, going to be very good. It's just going to take a while. We talked about Torchenko. Perunovic and Reiki. Listen, you've got the the thing you got to remember about this team is they're fairly young now. I mean, none of your you're not aging out of who, who's you, our oldest core player. We don't have one. Like all our oldest guy, like Petrangelo is going to be thirty. I think mm. that's not that old for a defenseman. Obviously, Bowmeister, but he's not really in the core anymore. You've got Pareko, who's mid 20s, 26 ish, maybe. Um, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, I think, are both going to be 28 this year. Shen, I think, will leave. <laughs> Schwartz, I don't know if he'll yeah. stay. He just graduated Thomas, Thomas who's 20. Is a super potential budding superstar and he's so young Barbashev's young I, all these guys are really young the obviously the central preview and the blues preview are coming up but i think <laughs> this is gonna weirdly be like not a transition year that's not the right word but like i don't necessarily expect us to bounce right back into comp competition this year mm-hmm. i think we'll be a fine team we'll probably make the playoffs but here's the th- here's the other thing Doug Armstrong will not hesitate to trade a Braden Shen at the deadline mm-hmm. if he needs to and get a prospect and a pick that help fill out this pyramid. And you think he's not going to get a first and a decent prospect for a guy that won a cup last year? Like, get that cup bump. He'll trade Joel Edmondson. He'll trade those guys that aren't working if this team doesn't have it at the deadline. And... The, the we've got guys that are good. You know, we've got Kairou. The nice thing about this pyramid is, I don't know about a lot of these guys, but Kairou should make a big impact this year. Costin could next year, and Bach could the year after that. So you're not hurting for impactful forwards yeah. in the near future. And we'll have a first-round pick again next year, and we'll build it back up. I trust our team. And we just won a Stanley Cup, so who gives a damn about the future? The future is now. Um, oh. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not as exciting as it was last year when we were the third in Promman's rankings, mm-hmm. but we graduated Thomas Blay, Bennington, and Sanford and won a Stanley Cup. So I will take the trade. <laughs> that is a trade I, guess. I will take. Um, we are the Stanley Cup champions. We still have a good, promising farm system. There's a lot to watch this season in that farm system. And yeah, I, we should do some some on slower weeks. We should do some like scouting farm out the farm, reports. Farm yeah, reports. that'd be fun. Yeah, uh, we will try to remember that. Uh, let me make sure that we didn't get any more Twitter questions because I'd hate to ignore anyone. Best flow. You got to say who has the best flow. Uh, he said, Justin asked, who has the best flow and why is it Dominic Bach? Because he's gorgeous. He's perfect. And I love him. <laughs> um, I think without ever having seen him, I'm going to say Kian Washbrack. <laughs> he actually does Wash-crack. have pretty good flow, I think. So uh, that's not bad. That's not a bad choice. With a name like Worshcrook, you got to have a good flow. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, that's going to be it for the Prospect Pyramid, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are going to be gone next Thursday. Mm-hmm. We'll figure something out. This is our non-professional way to just kind of put into the ether that something will be different next week. 
whether we record early, whether we record with something else, or don't record at all and wait until two weeks. We'll figure it out. Um, but until we record again, that's that. Josh Morrissey is a uh, NHL Jet For forever. Years. And other things. The Prospect Pyramid, folks. It's mm. done. It's in the books, and we love it. And there was no slaves involved in building it. So it's all good. It's all oh, good. boy. Any thoughts? Anything? Uh, go out and get your Pink Whitney vodka. Absolutely. Uh, anybody who's at the uh, training camp on Saturday, say hello. And yeah. we'll talk to you then. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>